0: The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network.
1: This is Speedball Mike Bailey. You're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yes.
2: And let them have it because this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go boy yeah from tampa bay to the tokyo dome this is keeping it strong style with your host jeremy donovan and the young boy joshua smith and thank you for listening welcome to keeping it strong style the ace of on the social suplex podcast network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith and the JML. On today's show, we'll preview the historic crossover pay-per-view and cover all this news in the world of New Japan pro wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get a podcast over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, wrestlingtees.com. Slash social suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPWEXT, the only browser extension for NJPWworld.com with features like dark mode, improved translation and layouts, custom and share plus, Synchronized parties and much, much more. It takes NJPW, NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. Jay, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on and joining me and a young boy.
3: Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.
2: Yeah, man. You're, you're, we called you in to, to be our, our stardom expert for the week, man.
4: Well, that's no, not no, complete. Don't call me true. expert. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it's not entirely true. The truth is, we wanted you on last week's show ahead of Chris Hamsa. That's right. We were calling in the big guns, and then uh, JML wasn't able to make it. And then we we called in Chris as the backup. So you're in the pecking order. Like he's like jobber. You're like, uh, like upper main eventer, basically
3: okay (laughs) i didn't know i didn't know that uh because chris (laughs) does phenomenal work i would i wouldn't say that i wouldn't say that i would be i'd be over him it's crazy but
4: well i'm I'm here to bury him because he's not on the on the call and i know that he's going to be listening so it's just funny (laughs) (laughs) he's a he's a good guy he's a good guy
2: yeah chris chris is the man shout out oh yeah we love having chris
4: and we're we're so glad you're here too
3: well, thank you guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah. And so, anytime we have a uh, new guest on the show, kind of like to get their background and normally just ask about New Japan. But since we are going to be covering this historic crossover pay per view, we'll ask you about stardom also. So, first question, Jay, when did you start watching New Japan and when did you start watching stardom?
3: So, it goes back <laughs> all the way back. Um, I was a WCW fan. So, I want. I th- I watched um, the first time I watched. I ever saw a glimpse of New Japan Pro Wrestling was I saw on it was a Saturday morning um, WCW show. I forgot which one it was, and they were showing highlights of Muda and Sting versus the Steiner Brothers. That's the mm. first time I ever saw it. But the but as time went on, I never was able to watch it full, you know, in real time or or regularly. Probably the 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 time I started watching New Japan regularly is when I got um, access to the internet and um, started watching around 2005, 2006, I would say. Um, and, you know, following the Stumac site, Pure fan, just following through that and start watching New Japan regularly through, through that time. Um, I would to wait. You know, a couple of months because of like DVDs right. started to pop up and stuff like that. And that was right before, right when, you know, file sharing was was starting to be getting real big. So um, that's how I got into watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. So so for me, that whole era of Tenzan, Kojima, um, and Tanahashi coming up, um, and Nakamura being the, being basically a young guy in Goto, yeah, I remember Goto being a junior and
1: going to Mexico,
3: and coming back and gaining thirty pounds. You know, for me, that was that was New Japan. I basically came through, came up with um, watching. Um, I fell out a little bit right after, right around two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, but got back in right when Bushiroad purchased the company. So, um, so and ever, ever since then, I've been watching. Uh, New Japan regularly. So, um, and you said with Stardom. Stardom. Um, I start watching Stardom regularly in 2015. So the company with that was started in 2011. So I was uh, four years behind. But for for me watching Stardom, that was 2015. That's when, ironically, that was when the Yoshiko uh, at Gassakawa incident happened. So what a way to. That come in the ground ground floor of that but started watching that and it's i've been watching stardom ever since it's been up and down with me with my fandom in terms of stardom um there's times i've hated the company sometimes i love the company <laughs> love the company now I, I do i truly do love the product now um but but yeah for for and it's just it was really weird what happened in 2019 and for them to get bought by Bushiro and things that happen behind the scenes, like almost getting bought by WWE, um, to have this show now, it's, it's a weird, um, it's a weird place coming together, you know, with stardom. It's, it's really weird seeing that company go from what I saw in 2015, which was, it was a, it was a good promotion and just undercover to now it's some would say the number two, I won't, I won't say it's number two promotion in Japan, Um, just because of what the circumstances are um, with the pandemic. But just to see them doing a joint show with New Japan, um, it just kind of blows my mind. And (laughs) I'm really happy that it's happening.
4: Yeah. Coming in um, into the product in 2015, like you mentioned with that shoot incident, my understanding is that that's almost like a benchmark for a shift in how the entire culture and, like work of the company was anyway, so it's it's almost like a fortunate time for you to have come in essentially is my understanding
3: yeah yeah, and then when i when I got into it it was it was entirely totally shift you like you said it was a it was it was a big shift, and then it really introduced because when you got rid of Yoshiko and Akasaka, Akiasaka was was a popular act and stardom and they had to rely on uh, three of them, the three daughters of stardom, um, Io Shirai, Mayu Itani, and Kari, Kari Hojo. Um, people know from her WWE fame, Kairi Sane. And ironically, on this show, we about the preview, two of them are going to face off in the main event. So um, to get on the gr- ground floor of that and watch them progress into what they are now, Um, Just kind of blows me away, but I'm really fortunate that I got to see them in real time. You know, watch watch them progress and become the big stars that they are. And I never thought this would happen. You know, them wrestling for the IWGP Championship. But yeah, it was a totally different. It's a totally different shift from what Stardom was, and they've gone through some some major things, major shifts. Either it was that, or the the ex well, sort of semi-exodus of not just Io Shirai and, and Kari to WWE but also a lot of the foreigners who toured through the company basically using them as a stepping stone to get to WWE um you have that era and then um and then you have this weird period where um yeah, Jungle to Kiona and Momo Watanabe and, in, uh, Kagetsu and, uh, and Hanakamura, um, as basically your top people. And then Bushi buys them. And then you have the Hanakamura tragedy, Rishi Shiki retires. And then you, it's another shift. And they've just gone through so much, but they've, it seems like every step of the way where they take a, take a step back, they always prosper forward. So, mm. um, just kind of a testament to, to Rossi Ogawa and how he's kind of weathered through the storm all these years. Um, it's pretty remarkable, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, definitely agree, especially when you look at what happened in the pandemic and just how Stardom was like one of the only promotions that was continuing to grow during the pandemic. You know, all, a lot of companies, they were losing business in Stardom, the live attendance was going up. Subscriptions on Stardom World was going up. The popularity has continued to rise despite the uh, the pandemic.
3: Yeah, yeah, and they were still aggressive. You know, Rossi and Boucherot fight. They were really aggressive in terms of getting new talent into the promotion. whereas like their rivals, TGPW, were were letting people go out of their contracts. They were acquiring people. They were acquiring people from TGPW and from Actress Girls. You know, just acquiring more talent and 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 trying to build and and that's what they've done. They've kind of they kind of followed the game plan even even with the pandemic and everything that's going on. They've they followed the game plan. I remember Kadani saying they had a 5-year plan and I think they've kind of hit most of their objectives during the 5-year plan. Well, I think
4: that they were somewhat in a unique position when the pandemic started being sort of like the the market leader when it came to Joshi but also not having fully realized their growth potential, you know, and like working in finances, it just reminds me of like a lot of stocks and, you know, different equities that, you know, decreased because of the situation. A lot of people got rich off of that. And it almost feels like they were in the right place, right time to go into an expansion mode and kind of capitalize off of what was going on. And like you mentioned now, they're kind of whether it's for the long term or not. They're you know essentially the number two company in in you know Japan right now, which is kind of wild. <laughs> so it, it it's pretty cool to see. It's really exciting.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's like you said, it's a unique situation for them. And and with stardom, um, I think for for them, they're in a. U- unique situation where um because of the because of the leader um you won't see a big uh you know fall off in terms of what you know in terms of full crowds and certain in terms of full crowds coming back i don't think there will be a big fall off of what they what they're projected to do i mean i know some people will say well once crowds fully come back you know dragon gates going to surpass them or or uh, or Noah or all Japan I don't think so um right before the pandemic they had two cork and hall shows that were two of their biggest drawing show drawing corkins you know in their history so um you know I know some people have attributed I know G Church who is the Dragon Gate um Dragon Gate lead commentary lead lead play-by-play guy excuse me he said that on a on a show he said that you know, so certain things with with Stardom, it's more of a Bushiroad type fan base. You know, the Bushiroad fans of their other, you know, properties, um, whether it's game, it's cards, or you know, the anime, they come in and starting to check out Starnum. But I think they're they're here to stay. And um, no matter how how you get these fans, they're going to stay. And, and Starnum's done a big good job of of keeping it growing and 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 you just gotta present yourself as uh as, as a major league product and that's what they're doing, you know, with the all the way down to production in terms of the, the roster. They really present themselves and they're gonna keep keep doing it. And I think the the aggressive nature it's it's gonna work.
2: Yeah. So who are your favorite uh, NJPW wrestlers and stardom wrestler?
3: Uh my favorite New Japan wrestler of all time or just currently? Could be um, both. Of all time is usually Thunder Liger. Um, you know, JML, that acronym is because I was a for uh, message board guy and I used to be on the D V D VR Death Valley Driver Review Board forums and the PWO forums and my name my username was Muto Liger. Um so <laughs> that's uh and someone just offhandly called me JML, so it kind of stuck, but Liger, he's my favorite New Japan wrestler of all time. He might be my favorite wrestler of all time um and with stardom um my favorite stardom wrestler all time is jungle kiona um and i was happy i got to see her live um when she came to new jersey of all places um <laughs> a couple months ago so i was happy to see her live and um yeah i missed out liger but i got to see jungle
2: nice and then your favorite uh match from new japan stardom could be all time or recent
3: uh, my favorite New Japan match of all time. You know, I got to watch. Like I was mentioned before, I got to got to follow the, the follow New Japan regularly um, since 2006. But I did go back and watch watch some of the 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 earlier matches, and um, just my favorite match, just because of the spectacle of it, is Muda versus Liger from '96. Uh, mm-hmm. Where where Liger becomes Kishin Liger and tries to stab 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 Muda. So that's I've always been drawn to that's um, different presentations of what New Japan has done over the years. And to me, it's one of the best spectacles they've ever done. Is just mm-hmm. and that was at Kobe World Hall. Um, just what they've done with 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 Liger and and Muda. Um, that was my favorite. Favorite um New Japan match of all time. You know, it's not the best match out of there I've ever seen from New Japan, but it's just, it's it's a, it's one of my favorites. And for stardom, my favorite match in stardom ever is Joan Kiona versus Momo Watanabe from two thousand nineteen, Mar- March of two thousand nineteen. Um it makes it sweeter because they've had a long rivalry with Jungle. The, Momo was her first match ever in the company and she beat her. And you fast-forwarded to 2018 to Io Shirai's farewell show. In June, um, they main evented that show. It wasn't Io Shirai. For, it wasn't Io Shirai, It was Jung Kiyono and Momo Watanabe And that match was awesome itself in 2018 because from the get-go, the bell rings and they just run and punch each other and knock each other on the ass. <laughs> <laughs> so in um, and the... And the and it goes from there, and next from there. But you build off that match, and she didn't. It was for the Wonder of Stardom title, and Jungle didn't win. But she gets the rematch in 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 um, March of 2019, and to me, that for longest time, I thought that was the second greatest match in Stardom's history, um, the Jungle Momo match of 2019, where it, it. I've I've seen people describe the match as King's Road, and it. it it really is. It's really a Kings Road style of match. How the way they built it, built the the match up throughout the throughout throughout the ma- the entire match. Excuse me. And um, with with um, Jungle, she lost again, and she lost in our hometown, which <laughs> which sucks. But it's kind of a, a, a recurring thing with Jungle. She's she's kind of been labeled as the Hiroki Goto or Tomoishi of of the of stardom or, or even of all of Joshi, but um to me that to me that's my favorite stardom match of all time. Um that match. So it, it involves two of my favorite wrestlers, so there you go.
2: Nice man. Well before we uh get into historic crossover, real quick, why don't you tell our listeners uh what you do with the uh, wrestling observer hall of fame ballot.
3: Okay, so um what I do is I am one half of the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame tracker. Um, we do a public ballot tracker for the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Um, basically collect votes, public ballot votes that people post on on Twitter or on certain message boards or on Facebook. Uh, we collect those those ballots. We tally them up. And we try to, it's really more of an exercise to project who's going to make it to the Hall of Fame. Um, it's We kind of model ourselves as the Baseball Tracker Hall of Fame. Because um, with the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, it's not like the WWE Hall of Fame where only one person picks it, and that's Vince. You know, it's it's a group of voters that Dave selects. And, it's, and the voter fan base has, has grown over the years. It's up to 400 people that's going to vote um uh, now it's mostly historians and reporters, but it's also former wrestlers, um, current wrestlers and promoters and people that are behind that, that have been in the business. Um, they, they vote for the hall of fame and it's been highly contested it's, to me. It's that hall of fame. is so it's, it's that hall of fame in the baseball baseball hall of fame are the most con- highly contested hall of fames to me. Um, through throughout combat sports, well sports, and I wouldn't say baseball's combat sport, but throughout sports or, or entertainment. Um the only one that I could think of that, that comes close to it um is, pro- is probably the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where people get upset with if if um people don't make make the Hall of Fame. But with that, um it's more of an exercise for us to project who's going to um go into the Hall of Fame. It's not like a witch hunt of Oh, your ballot stinks, or or anything like that. It's just more of an exercise to see who's take the temperature of who's going in the ballot, and it's, it's pretty it's pretty cool because um over the couple, last couple of years um we've been doing it. It's been a kind of a good let's see groundswell of people that have have gone have um come to the come to the account and you know tag us and. He even got Ian Riccoboni um, to to give us our, our, his ballot. So, nice, um, and that was that was pretty cool last year. Hopefully, he does it this year. We'll we'll probably email him or something like that. You know, reminding us, reminding him because the ballots due tomorrow. So, um, it's just it's just a fun way. You know, it's 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 nerdy and it's people think it might be stupid because of the Observer Hall of Fame. I don't care. It's it's, it's really fun and um, a lot of a lot of the credit goes to Detlef. Deadlift. Um, he's my my partner. It kind of grew. We were talking uh, through Discord, through the through the Voice of Wrestling um, Discord because they have a Hall of Fame section. And for a, for a good while, for a couple of years, like the Hall of Fame wasn't talked about as much as it used to be. I knew, I know, like in the mess, basically the message board days. Uh, right before Twitter got really popular, people would just have these long debates. of who, de- who, de- who deserves to be in the hall of fame and this and that. And the, the discussion kind of, kind of tailed off and no one would reveal their ballots and stuff. So we would start looking for public ballots ourselves. And that's how we kind of came up with the tracker. And, um, it's been like this for, for a couple of years now. So, um, you know, right before I started get on the got on the call, I was I was entering uh, Chad Campbell's ballot. Um he does the show for uh for a PWO uh where the big boys play, Replace to Be Nation. So um <laughs> it's just it's kind of funny all day I've it's just going through ballots and stuff. It's interesting to see because um it's tied it into New Japan, Kodo Bushi, he's getting a lot of votes. Him and Naito, wow. but Kodo Bushi's getting a lot of votes. If I pull up um the latest for the tracker it looks like we've we've gotten 38 ballots so far um and kodobuchi sitting at 70 percent. are sitting at 64 percent.
4: so with you guys doing your tracking i mean is there a large variability between what you guys are seeing in your tracking versus the actual outcome or is it usually a pretty strong indication of what may actually happen
3: um last year was a pretty strong in- indicator because the people that got in, it was uh Okada, um, the Brazos. Um trying to think who else who let me just pull up who else got in because 'cause I'm trying to trying to think of it. Um it was Jim Crockett Jr. and um oh gosh. They're gonna uh valley's gonna kill me (laughs) because he he advocated for for this guy
4: or even while you're looking that up i mean one of the things i was wondering do you guys typically see a situation like what you're just describing where like on your on your tracker Bushi seems like he's doing really well but then when the actual hall of fame results come out it's like he didn't make it because maybe you guys are pulling from a certain sample size if that makes sense
3: yeah, yeah. So and it was Don Owen. That's what I was thinking. Don mm. Owen and Jim Jim Valley, he's gonna kill me for that. But because <laughs> um, he advocates he he advocated for Don Owen so long. But um yeah, when, when looking at it, I'm just looking at the ballot ballot last year now. Um Okada was, was coming in at eighty seven percent on the public ballot, he got ninety two percent. Um the Brazos came in at sixty six percent and they actually actually got eighty six percent. Mm-hmm. Um, with Slaughter, Sergeant Slaughter, he came at 56% um, for the public ballot, and the actual percentage he got was 58%. So we were really close. I wow. think modern U.S. is the one that's really close indicator because that's the people that are most successful to us. I mean, that's the thing he uh, Dave gives ballots to throughout the world, even though um, I would indicate that a lot of people are, are either North American-based or European-based. Um, that's sort of the most of ballots we've gotten so far. But with, um, with the tracker, um, I think modern U S we kind of get it right. But um, the year before it was with Kenny, with Kenny Omega, that was the one where we, I remember we got around 23% of the, of the public ballot vote. And then he got in at 60%. and, what we found out that was a lot of wrestlers like modern rust like current wrestlers that voted for him or retired yeah. wrestlers that voted for him so um with that that's where the that's the only thing to me as more and more ballots we collect i think that's the one thing that's going to offset it is i think we're going to be really good predicting who would who would come out because i remember last year we picked basically okada Brazos, slaughter and jim cockett jr um to be the ones that are that would get close i didn't think we didn't we had don owen come in at 45 percent, and he came in at 61 percent. so that was the one thing one one person that we kind of got off and um yeah you know, i thought with slaughter it could be a very fairability variability thing for him but um with with this year it, it really depends on the how many current wrestlers gets a ballot this year that's the one thing that could be the big variable in terms of um, who gets in or not. If the thrusters come show up in mass in the mm. for a certain certain person, because um, I think if um, I know one of the questions that popped up is who should be in the ballot, uh, just the Japan reason. I think if I personally think if Kenta and kenta's never been on the ballot, I think if Kenta showed up on the ballot, I think he would get a groundswell. Of a lot of wrestlers current wrestlers that would that would vote for him just because he was so innovative and and people basically stole his stuff stole his moves so with him i think he would get a groundswell uh and then also kenta was one of the greatest in-ring wrestlers um during his time so i think that would be that would be the case for him but but yeah, the wrestler component—that's that's thing that I don't think a lot of wrestlers are going to flock to us to reveal their ballots publicly. Right. Um, so I, I think that that's that would be the case um, if we got anything wrong. But I think um, the more ballots we get, and I mean, obviously the more ballots we get, the, the better projections we get. But I think last year we kind of we kind of got really close and kind of proud of that.
4: Wow, that's really interesting. I think it's interesting what you said about Kenta where there's a lot of folks sort of uh, indicating that they think Fuji is going to have a really tough time getting in. I'm like, they're like 1A, 1B. Like, this is so weird to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, I uh, I think as you guys grow and get more um, tracking, like you mentioned, it's going to become a, you know, year over year even more, you know, reliable kind of indication of how things are turning out. So that's really cool, really interesting stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully, uh, if Twitter doesn't die <laughs> in the next two, next <laughs> next two weeks or even the two months, um, we'll get more support. Um, if if that happens, we'll just pivot. And we'll we'll find another another way to get collect the ballots. But the tracker is not going to die. Well, it's, that's if people are wondering about the tracker's not going to die. So
4: <laughs> someone's going to have um, to restart the
3: DVDVR. <laughs> It's still around. The it's still, still kind of still around.
2: around, kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. well Let's uh, shift focus now towards the historic crossover pay per view, and we did have some questions here from MJSPR. I thought it would be good to kind of kick us off, just talking about uh, stardom, kind of mixing with New Japan. So he first he asks, he says, "For JML, he says young boy likes to say Gato books tragedies. Can you describe Rossi's booking style and the type of stories he likes to tell?"
3: That's a good question. Uh, with Rossi, he likes to book coming-of-age stories. Um, with him, there's always every year, and I've noticed this even dating back to the Arceon days when he booked the Arceon. He likes to make a new star every year. This year, it's Marai. That's it. That's the star he's tried to make this year. Um, the year before, it was. I mean. What 2020? I guess, I, I guess it would be Utami, even though Utami was known, I guess Utami to the rest of the world. That's, that was the, st- that was the star. Um, and, and treated her like that and gave her the mega push. Um, but even, even then looking back on it in Cinderella tournament, um, usually Cinderella tournament is the big indicator of who he's going to make the new star of the year. Last year's sort of relator was Saya Kamatani, and she's the wonder of Stardom champion now. So, for him, um, in the, the year before 2019, um, or you no, know, because I'm thinking last year's 20. It's been a mess. Last year's 2020, 2021. The year before 2020. In 2020, he made Julia the big star, and you know it's it's. If you date back even more, it's Mo Watanabe. One year. Um, Kyrie Hojo in 2015, that was the one he wanted to make as his big star. Um, he really, and dating back to the ASEAN days, you know, there's times with Ayako Amada. He tried to make a big star of her. So with him, he likes to do a coming-of-age story. And, you know, last year, um, what personifies the coming-of-age story is Tam Nakano beating Julia in Budokan Hall in the Hair vs. Hair match. Um, because if you follow Tam Nakano's story, um, she failed to win the One Ostana many times. And then, and especially against her rival, Julia, which they've developed as rivalry, she got to do at the biggest stage. So with with Rossi, that's his main thing, is the coming of age story. Um, that's his booking style. Um, if we get concrete evidence that he booked in All Japan Women, um, he's only booked really one tragedy, and that is Akira Hokuto um, not being able to win when uh, the red belt, the, the three WA belt and her losing uh, to Shikinubo Kandori in December at Sumo Hall, where uh, if you ever seen the match, it's just um, uh, basically the all Japan women's roster crying while she's getting obliterated by Kandori. <laughs> so um, if he's behind that booking, he's booked that one tragedy, you know? Um, but Mostly with him, it's it's coming of age, it's persevering, it's taking your lumps, falling down, get back up. Um, when I think of Ayako Amada; it's the match with uh, her and Akino um, versus L, uh, LCO, and it's just a bloodbath. And they're but they win somehow; they win. You know, they win the tag titles, and um, that's basically his booking style. Um, to sum it up,
2: nice. Uh, so he also asks, is this run Stardom is on right now, stories and match quality comparable or better to the recent glory days of NJPW?
3: Um, I won't say with match quality, um, even though the matches are really, really good. Um, and it's probably the best match quality, consistent match quality they've had in the history of their, their company. And, I, and it's a lot of it is because they've kind of, once they got the roster together, they've chilled, um, throughout throughout the pandemic, they've kind of gel just working with each other and not have to work with uh, a lot of foreigners coming in. And some of that you contribute to the people in place, like um, Mayu Itani's a, a trainer there, and Hazuki's a trainer there, but also Milano Collection Et. Uh, a lot of people don't know that Milano Collection ET, Um is kind of like a overseer trainer there. And you could see it in the wrestling. I've never... Their um, six-man, their six, man, their, their trio tie, tag matches um, were not like they were pre-Bushi Road. Um, now they feel like Dragon Gate matches, like where all, yeah, like it feels like those T2P style matches, and um, you know, a lot of that credit and structure. I mean, the women know how to wrestle, and it's just like he's. I I've heard that he he's not there a lot, but. Um, i could see that he puts finishing touches to their to their matches and in one thing that i kind of i kind of noticed in during the book and hall show cuz he did commentary it seemed like every every match he would leave the table just to run out back away <laughs> so he must have been doing something trying to communicate with other people so so with him he's he's definitely got something there um but with match with match quality it's not the level of new japan But, um, it could get, get there, but it's not quite up there. But I think the storytelling, it's right up there with New Japan. Um, and with, with them, you know, to me, this, this, a signifier for a good book, well booked promotion is, um, their stories up and down the card. Um, Mm -hmm. you just look at, just look at, you know, the AEW with their, their sort of mini run, you know, you know when you have undercard acts like the claim getting over huge, um, you got something there, and it would start them. You look up and down the roster, and look up and down, or uh, random, just pick any pay per view that they've done, and God, they've done so many pay per views. They're about to do twenty six this year. Uh, wow! But you look, huh? I say, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you look up and down. There's there's a story every time, and there's entertaining entertaining characters throughout. I mean, just one that pops up is Saki Saki Kashima. Um, this wouldn't fly in American wrestling, but with her, it was a, like a subplot of her versus Shiri, Her being extremely afraid of her during the, during the Five Star Grand Prix. Um, I can I couldn't think of a wrestler during the during the G one who had a storyline like hey. I am definitely afraid of this other person that I'm about to wrestle. Pray for me. Um, I don't think that that would happen. Um, well, thinking about it, Kenny was like that, but Kenny, Kenny was like that against Minoru Suzuki, but he he basically wrestled. Whereas uh, Saiki Kashima was definitely afraid of Shuri, but it ended up beating her. So with a roll up. So um, with that, you have just up and down the up and down the roster. You have. Really good storylines with with the with the wrestlers involved, and I think that could be comparable to New Japan, um, because you know with New Japan it can be a little bit uneven. It's a lot of it's top heavy in terms of the great storylines, but maybe down down card it's not that much. Whereas Stardom there's there's always something interesting down the undercard. card, so that could be comparable to what it is. But the match quality I wouldn't say um, is comparable. I did like the Five Star Grand Prix compared to some of the G1 stuff this year. Um, but I wouldn't say that um, they've, made, they've matched the match quality yet so far.
2: Nice. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people saying how much they really love the five-star Grand Prix this year compared to the G1. Uh, so, oh, yeah, doing a, a lot of great stuff over in Stardom. So we've got the big historic crossover pay-per-view this weekend, New Japan and Stardom coming together to put this show on. So it is going to be on NJPW World through their pay-per-view model. Um, So that's going to be $27 American, 2,980 yen. So you have to pay for that in addition to the uh, NJPW World uh, subscription that you pay. So we'll uh, go over the card here, and uh, Jay will definitely have you you chime in a lot more on on the Stardom wrestlers because we're not quite as familiar with them. Um, And then we'll, you know, run through the what show there. What are
4: you there. talking about? I-, I watch Stardom. I know what's going on.
2: Sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So we have uh, two pre-show matches. Uh, so the first pre-show match is going to be an eight-man tag. We got the LA Dojo versus the Dojo. So we'll have Alex Coglin, Clark Connors, Gabriel Kidd, and Kevin Knight. And they'll be taking on Kosei Fujita, Oscar Lube, and... Ryo Yoyawa and Yuta Nakashima. So, this is Oscar's uh, big debut here. He's from Germany and he originally joined the Fale Dojo in 2019. And then COVID happened. He had to go back to Germany to continue his training. And uh, now he's rejoining New Japan Full. He entered the Noge Dojo in May. And we've seen him now at ringside. Zack Sabre Jr. is often, you know, messing with him on uh, ringside uh, during New Japan shows. And so we're kind of continuing where we left off in 2019 where we kind of had this rivalry of the L.A. Dojo versus Nogue Dojo. That was a big story in the the Young Lions Cup that year. And so now with the border restriction open and we're starting to see New Japan wrestlers coming back, or, you know, uh, foreign wrestlers coming back in Japan, we're now seeing this kind of rivalry being reignited here between the L.A. Dojo and the Nogue Dojo.
4: Well, the first thing I'll say is, when that initial LA dojo versus No gay Dojo feud was kind of transpiring, back pre-pandemic, um LA dojo was clearly the ones that were getting the upper hand, and ev- every single one of those guys was in the early infancy stages of their New Japan careers. They've all since gone on to become killers, and some of those same guys are here, and the the ones who weren't part of that initial crew but are you know included like uh kevin knight like he's incredible too gabe kid's been added to the fold and then you got a bunch of like new young no gay dojo guys like i don't i don't see them even having a chance like like at all and not only do i not see them winning like they're they're gonna definitely like hold their own but i feel like they're gonna get murdered out here
2: yeah i mean they got Coglin, Connors, and gabe kid like that that that's like the the toughest of the LA Dojo right there. Kevin Knight, he's been killing it on New Japan Strong here in America. First time uh coming over to Japan. So yeah, I mean, I, I think the Dojo, they're about to get they're about to get rocked. <laughs> Jay, you have any thoughts on these uh, young lions?
3: I am I hope uh Kevin Knight gets a haircut because it's <laughs> gonna be awkward when he sees Yoda for the first time. <laughs> um when he and when they meet in the ring and they have the same haircut, so that's that's going to be awkward to see. But other than that, I'm really really looking forward to it. I'm a I'm a fan of the LA Dojo guys for sure.
2: Nice. So then, uh following that, we'll have a Stardom Rambo match. So you know the normal like barrel rambles that we see. During Wrestle Kingdom uh, In those pre-shows So that will be the second uh, pre-show match 15 wrestlers will be in this time at Battle Royal, new entrance coming in Every minute, elimination ends Via pinfall, submission Or over the top rope We don't have the official Listing of who the wrestlers are uh, But Jay, I think you uh, Kind of speculating on who you thought would be In this uh rainbow.
3: Yeah, yeah Um you know, Stardom's had these type of uh, battle royals before on their big shows. Um, they had it last year in Budokan Hall and had it this year in Sumo Hall. And um, it's basically, I think it's basically going to be the um, the rest of the roster that wasn't um, featured on this show. Um, the ones that come to mind are Saida, Koguma, Huzuki, uh, mogonkogo um, I am Toro, Saki Kashima, like I mentioned before, uh, Fooking Hidden Death, Raka, uh, Waka Sukiyama, the pride of New York, <laughs> um, Marai and Ambi Sure. Um, there's others. I, I could have included, uh, you know, the, the twins, Hanan, Hina and Rina. Um, but I don't know if they're going to f- feature them. Maybe Hanan, um, because she, she's coming off of a uh, a big run for a future Stardom championship. Um, She's coming off that. Ami Saray is now the future Stardom champion. And I think that's going to... Hanan's going to be someone to look out for in the next coming years, someone that Rossi's going to make a big star, um, expect her to win Cinderella tournament in in the next two years. Um, But also, with Stardom, they've brought in outside people to come in for their their Battle Royals. And, um, you know, the one in Budokan Hall... They brought in Chigusa Nagayo and uh, Mima Shimoda, who New Japan fans have, have seen before in the backstage area, especially with Jay White. Um, you know, Momo Nakanishi from All Japan Women's Fame. Um, also, Nanai Takahashi could be in there. Uh, Yu Saki, who's part of Cosmic uh, Angels. Um, there's, there'd be a lot of people that, that, that they could bring in. Um, but mostly it's going to be... For, uh, a lot of pe- lot of people from the leftover over roster that wasn't featured on the show.
4: My my feeling is uh, going into this as a complete you, you know basically outsider to stardom. I've got very limited uh, exposure. There's going to be a lot of New Japan fans, sort of like myself in the West, but also probably you know from what I understand. In Japan, there's a lot of, like, different wrestling camps of fandom. So with it being a crossover event, this is going to ex- give stardom exposure to a lot of that larger New Japan audience. If it was me, and I don't know if this is what they're going to do, but if if it was me, I probably wouldn't try and book too many of those, uh, you know, legends unless you did want to, you know, get the, the major pop for one or two of them. But I would try to get most of my current roster on there even if just to kind of gain a little bit more exposure and familiarity with those names, you know?
3: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, to build, you know, to get the exposure, I think it's, it's essential to get, you know, a spotlight on, on some of the, uh, some of the young talent that, that's coming in. Um, uh, what was it? A little week ago, the, um, they did a, a thing with uh, the YouTuber Fua, Fua Chang. I don't know if you guys are, are familiar with her but um she came in and did, and did a match and it was broadcasted on a TV show called GoRetsu on the Pond TV and they aired the entire match but she was tagging with Suzuki who's i think she's 24 but she's been with the company for a long time so helped her out there but also on the opposite it was Sai Kamatani who's still pretty young even though she's um she's got she's basically one of the top Wrestlers in the company, and then it was uh, Hina, who is uh, I would say I, she's seventeen, I would say, but she's a really good, really good wrestler, and and really and it was really good that they had the spotlight on her to wrestle in front of um, basically in front of the country um, on that TV show, and you know, Rossi always does that, brings in a someone that. You'll see down the line, in Hanan's twin, one of Hanan's twin sisters, like I mentioned her before. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully the the three sisters are getting into the into the battle royal. But um, even though, like, it it be really silly at times. Um, I'll just forewarn you there. That was gonna um, be
4: that was gonna be my next question. Was the the layout of these? Just because, like, you know, most of the Ram- most of New Japan's Rambo's throughout history have been extremely subpar and they're just kind of throwaway matches they don't they're not laid out like some of your better battle roy like for instance like uh, when i think of a really good pre-show battle royal i think of like the all-in battle royal that was yeah. just laid out
0: immaculately
4: yeah. yep. Yep. and i'm like are we going to be getting something like that where these girls are all given a chance to shine and get their shit in and we get to kind of get a, a feel for their character and all that or is it going to be a new Japan? You know, slash just all of Perazu Rambo because I've never seen a good battle royal in Japan at all, ever in any company.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And last year, of got a lot of blowback because Kikitaro was actually in the in the battle royal, and he was doing some creepy spots, and people <laughs> people were not happy. He was, you know, chasing the girls around and trying to was doing doing weird hand signals, and people were not happy that he was. He was part of the the battle royal, but like at the at the end of the battle royal, they they kicked them out. And even the referee jumped in. So the, their battle royals get can get really silly. So I'm just forewarning you and and the rest of the New Japan fans. Um, if if you got up and get to get refreshments during this match, I wouldn't I wouldn't be offended.
2: You know? <laughs> All right, so let's uh, move on to the main card here. So the first show on the main card is going to be the Chaos Team of Leo Rush, Tomohiro Ishii, Yo, and Yoshihashi taking on the House of Torture, Dick Togo, Evil Show, and Yujiro Takahashi. We got a question here from friend of the show, James Boyd, over at One Nation Radio. He says, how damning is it that Bushiro is trying to impress and bull clubs like House of Torture House of, Torture, House of Torture representation is just one match, and it's the first match on the main card.
4: Well, I mean, um, you know, this match in particular is specifically designed to be a preview between Tag League, Super Junior Tag League and World Tag League, and you've got Chaos and Bullet Club. It's a, kind of a natural fit. Uh, I mean, there is the one positive, you could say, in that most wrestlers, if you can't go last, you want to go first and this is technically the opener of the show so maybe someone could spin it from that degree but uh yeah i mean he's not wrong there is no other house of torture or bullet club representation on the show and it is supposed to be a a big historic crossover as we're going to keep saying throughout the you know podcast and uh it is it is pretty telling that they don't have a bunch of you know
2: bullet club guys on on the show yeah we don't even have the the iwgp world heavyweight champion on the show
3: so yeah i was i was about to question that why isn't jay white on the show um and then you know house of torture i mean mean, they were on the they were on the gleek show that was on the new japan world pay-per-view right earlier this year yeah so Mm
0: -hmm.
3: um you know, I guess, you know, um, I, I guess you just got to put them, you got to find a spot for them somehow. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and this should be a, a fine opening matchup here. You know, like Josh said, previewing World Tag League, Super Junior Tag League with Leo Rush and Yo in the Junior Tag League, also a Show and Evil. And then in the World Tag League, we have um, Ishii and Yoshihashi and then um, uh, Evil and nujiro So getting a little preview there. Um, so then, moving on from that, we have Queen's Quest, the team of Azumi, Lady C, and Saya Kamatani, taking on the Donna del Mundo team of Ameka, Myasakurai, and Thecla.
4: Thecla. Also, we, uh, we didn't earlier when we were listing off the potential people in that uh, Battle Royal, no one said Waka. <laughs>
3: The uh, funny leave, thing that, is, leave that to rich, leave that the, rich. <laughs> <laughs>
4: the funny thing is I don't like if you show me uh, a picture of most of the girls from stardom I'm not going to know who's who but I know how to pronounce most of their names just from listening to one nation radio so never seen them wrestle don't know what they look like but I know most of the names and so I'm like yeah that person exists but I don't know who they are what they stand for what group they're in nothing
3: Okay, <laughs> Okay. so um, with this match, I, kinda, I guess I'll try to break it down for, for you or and other people that uh, that are not familiar. So um, just running around the Queen's Quest team, you know, this is Zumi. Um, that's the first thing um, people will see her name is AZM. I was listening to a, a, a podcast on the Ringer, they were talking about the uh, PWI. Um one fifty and the one of the hosts said, Oh, because they were making a case for Mandy Rose or something like that. And they were like, <laughs> they were like I'm I, I'm I'm dead serious. they making well, uh, there Rose. is
4: there is a case for Mandy Rose if you're just going by PWI one fifty K if you really
3: there think is, about it. There is with K yeah. But it but I, sw- I swear to God, the one of the hosts I won't I won't say which one it was. Huh? Yeah, no, he said AZM, you know, Great wrestler. <laughs> AZM's Great wrestler. Maybe we should put Mandy Rose in there. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you don't watch. So AZM, um, like that's not that's not even something
4: you could like even
3: kind of mistake if
4: you even watched it once. Like, you know, you've never heard anyone say that. It's a zoomy.
3: like. It's no, ir- it's funny. Ironically, Dave, Dave Meltzer himself has done that. And it's it's been hilarious. So I
0: Dave think now he doesn't, doesn't do it. Him.
3: Yeah, he watches Stardom, but it's hilarious. He's done that before. He's like, AZM. And it's like, no, it's a you No,
2: know? <laughs> Yeah, shuffling the notes. Uh, yeah, AZM and Starlight like Kid. Like, what?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's similar when Brian Alvarez, he gets on, on on. Uh, I n- I'll never forget, like, years ago, he'd get on Wrestling Reserve, and he'll read out, like, Dragon Gate um, results, and he'll be like, E-I-T-A. <laughs> oh, no, it's A-T-A. Come on, man. <laughs> That was a
2: great Alvarez impression.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I try. I mean, god, I've heard him so many years. It's got I, I know his cadence, but um any, anyway, with uh with the um she's the she's the current high speed champion um and she's only 20 years old. Um, her and Tekla, if you're going to check if you're expecting high speed stuff, it'll be from those two. Um, they kind of have a little budding rivalry, and they'll meet up. They've faced each other before for a high-speed title. Uh, Tekla had an injury earlier this year um, that kept her out and had it for had her miss the five-star Grand Prix. I don't know what it is. It, it was my suspicion. I think it was a concussion because uh, she got kind of knocked a little loopy in her last match, last big match against Mayu Um but with with them, they're going to do a lot of high speed stuff. Um Queen's Quest and Donovan, Mono Mono have really good uh trios tag matches on the undercards on the house shows. So um I wouldn't expect anything less. Um Lady C, she's the tallest wrestler on the roster. Um uh for her, she's she's um she's only wrestled for a little bit from a high school teacher. Um I think she she was a home I think she was homeroom. She did homeroom. So um but for her she's she's really tall um and she does a lot of baba chops so um you'll see her and for people that actually it, it, I think well Josh did you watch any of the pre-show stardom matches on um on the Russell Grand Slam show Yes So you probably if you saw the stardom matches you'll you've seen Lady C before She's she was on uh the first the first show, she teamed with uh Micah, who will be on the on the show later. She's teamed up with her rookie Goto. But she was teamed up with Micah and she was ironically, she was facing against who is now is her stablemate in the same unit, Sayaka Um that match was it was Lady C and Micah versus Mo Watanabe and Matani um if you if you remember that match she was the tallest person in the, in the in the match doing choke slams and stuff and she was really really young um in her wrestling career i mean in in that match so she's really improved um she still do the baba chops and stuff like that but she's the she's the tall one out of the group and then you have Sayyid commentani who is the one of her stardom champion she's having a career year for herself some people say she's the best wrestler in stardom you'll get to see her and if if you've you've had to see her, um she does the the Phoenix splash from mm-hmm. from the top rope. So you've probably seen her before and she'll probably win. I my prediction she'll win again this year um in in this match. And then you have Himeka, who's the second tallest in 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 stardom. So Lady C and Himeka will go at it. Um and then my Sakurai, she's in the Don Demondo group. And uh, ironically, um my Sakurai and lady C they're actually tagging together um in the in the stardom goddesses uh the goddesses tag league, which is kind of like the, your world tag league or real world tag league equivalent in stardom, and they're t- teaming together because they ran out of uh stable mates to tag with, so they're teaming and their team name is my fair lady so
4: that's, <laughs> when is that tournament
3: uh it's going on right now. Like, okay, um,
4: so they're currently tagging together, and they're going to be opposite one another during this match.
3: Yeah, but the storyline is they don't get along. They clearly don't get along, and they've lost. They've lost the opening matches they've had, and um, on the pay per view. If you watch the pay per view before, um, I, and, and another thing, they have Stardom's having a pay per view before this show. <laughs> Their Gold Rush pay per view is the date is literally the night before in Osaka. But, um but yeah, when the, the opening round the opening night of their goddesses of Stardom Tag league, um they faced Hoki and death and Saki Kashima, and they did not get along throughout the whole match, so mm-hmm. that is their storyline, and they can't wait to get in the ring against each other to take it out, so nice with that, yeah, so that that being said that's that's the match and. Um, expect to be a good match, a good undercard match. they like to keep, that's the thing with stardom. If you've never seen stardom before, they like to keep it moving. Um, it's no wasted motion. And a lot of the seconds on a lot of the seconds ringside, they will smack the, the, the mat while the match is going on. So if you see, if you see during, during the show, you'll be like, well, how come the, the energy is not what it was in the stardom not what it was from the start of match, New Japan match. That's why there's a lot of seconds around the ring. And the, that's the reason why they've kind of, they've kind of grown. It's like their energy level. They try to keep, they've done these little tricks, like slapping the mat and doing, doing the stuff. And they'll yell during ringside. A lot of these little tricks to get people into the match. Even mm. when you, it's a no clap, it's a no, no cheering crowd. It's mostly a clap crowd. They'll do those type of tricks to get people into the matches.
2: Nice. And like you mentioned, Azumi right now she's the high speed champion and Sai She's the Wonder of Stardom. That's the White Belt, right?
3: Wonder yep, Wonder Stardom championships, the white belt. It's uh replicated from the old All Japan women's days where it was um you know the three WA belt. Um the three WA belt, that's the red belt for all Japan women and um for the white belt they had oh man I'm blank people are gonna be mad at me. I'm blanking for the for the white belt for uh all Japan women but that's what basically what's modeled after.
2: Nice. So also the Donald Del Motto team, they're gonna be looking to try and pin one of those champions to probably set up a uh title match at the next pay per view after the store crossover, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, because looking at it um uh earlier this year Saikantani and Himeka had a match for the white belt, and it was because um, it was actually what was scheduled to be the match with Sai Sayakamitani versus Kari, and Kari came with came down with a case COVID, so um, Himeka stepped in last second and almost beat her for the title. Um, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a bad thing to have them rematch down down the road for the next pay per view because um ironically the night before Sai Kamatani's defending the white belt against Kyrie. So um we'll see with that match. I don't think Kyrie's gonna beat her for the for the white belt, but we'll see. Um they do have I think five pay per views coming down the pipe so for stardom so they need another white belt challenger and Himeka would be a good choice. Either her or Tekla. I don't think my Sakurai would would be is is ready for that position to be like in the semi main event, but Tekla is, and so is a Mecca. You know, Mecca's has proved it before.
4: I think the old white belt was the All Pacific,
3: All Pacific, yeah, it was all Pacific title. Yep,
4: I, I cage matched it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so,
2: moving on to the next match, we'll have the first mixed tag team match of the evening. So, sure, you'll be teaming up with Filthy Tom Lawler. To take on Julia and Zach Saber Jr. So, this is going to be your standard mixed tag rules. Um, when um, a man tags a woman, the other woman has to come in. So, it's only woman and woman competing, men on men competing in these mixed uh, tag match actions. And so, like I mentioned, Shuri and Tom Lawler against Julia and Zach Saber Jr. here in this matchup. Uh, we know Shuri and Lawler both have uh, MMA background. Um, and then Sabre and Julia both kind of very um technical wrestlers and seem personality wise seem to kind of blend together.
4: I think, uh, actually, no, you know what, never mind. I was gonna say, well, technically, it might be still considered, but I was gonna say this might be the first ever mixed tag team match in New Japan history, but that really only depends if you count the tags, including Joni Lar from back in the 2000s. But if you I don't know if you count that because there was no other women on the opposite end so this may technically be the first traditional mixed tag match in new japan's history really
3: yeah i was going to say that with uh, the Joni lauren china matches yeah a good point yeah
2: so how are we feeling about these uh teams jay
3: um it's going to be entertaining because i don't think i the whole thing with the mixed tag rules i think that's going to be out the window um with with these matches well maybe not um in terms of maybe this match will be out the window because you know indications you know julie's julie wants to smack tom lawler so bad (laughs) (laughs) but you know maybe the other matches they'll stick to it but i think this one it kind of goes out the window um i know karen peterson she was on post wrestling and she she said like this is the one where Everybody kind of has the similar body types and similar heights and weights, so they kind of get away with it in terms of Sherry. She, she's tall and, and Julia's tall, so they they can kind of get away with with doing stuff with 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 Tom and Zach. But um, with this match, you know, Sherry, uh, I think Sherry's gonna Sherry's gonna have a handful, you know, um, coming coming down the road because uh, Julia. I think with stardom fans, you know, it's going to be a preview. It's their preview for their big title match. You know, how, you know, how last in battle Autumn that was kind of a preview with Okada and Itama with, with Kenta and uh Jay White. This is kind of, for them, this is their big preview match for, for the December pay-per-view at Sumo Hall. It's going to be Julia versus Shiri for the, for the red belt title. Um, and for them, um, hopefully they will get some spotlight. You know, I I know the buildup with, with filthy Tom and Zach has been kind of, kind of funny with the, with all the record record stuff thing. But yeah, um, with, with Siri and, and Julia, it's a lot more serious because, you know, Julia basically brought Siri in by storyline into the, into stardom, into the promotion. And, you know, Sherry's kind of done a Shingo in terms of winning the world title under, under the, the current leader and you know Shingo hasn't broken off with LIJ but but Sherry has with with her group with Don Delmondo forming God's Eye with Sherry and and they faced each other earlier in the year at Sumo Hall and it was a great match um but this time with Julia winning the five-star Grand Prix uh, we'll, we'll double back on it and it's one of the better matches of the year and and to just get a preview they always work well together um Sherry and, and Julia even when they Have to face each other in tags and stuff so i wouldn't expect something less anything less um i think filthy tom's gonna bring entertainment value but then they the the points to get over this match and to to see how how big you can make this red belt title title match going forward
4: so just so i can kind of gauge everything it's kind of interesting where it's like for the new japan fans Sure, they're familiar with Tom Lawler and Zach Saber, but it, and obviously both guys are so technically, uh, you know, capable. And we've seen them kind of go at it, especially during the G1 on the undercard tags and everything like that. But it's primarily like a com- like you mentioned, like a comedic sort of one upsmanship sort of storyline where, you know, one of them loves Boy George, one of them loves, jo- you know, George Michael. And then kind of paired up with them, you've got, shuri and julia which is like literally a title program for the top prize and all of you know joshi and Star and in stardom so it's kind of funny in that way where it's like the guys are sort of the backseat to the girls in this particular match and the way i'm looking at it unless they're gonna do something crazy it it probably looks like a you know strong uh regular Filthy Tom Waller is going to be the, the one taking the one two three in this match. So they're they're sort of the pin eaters for the girls in this match. When you really break it down,
3: yeah, yeah, I would think so. And you know, with Filthy Tom, he loves starting You know, anybody who listened to him on on, on F4, F4W daily, he he really loves loves promotion. He got got the chance to watch it during when he was over at the G1. So he wouldn't. I I, I got a feeling he wouldn't mind taking a couple taking a pin here in this situation well it's
4: yeah. not even that there's anything wrong with that it's just such a it because this is like an unknown you don't know what to expect going into it you know but then you look at it on paper you're like oh dang like i i guess that that that's what this is like essentially zach and tom are the juniors <laughs> yeah
3: yeah yeah,
2: it's really Tom because uh, Zach has a big match coming up at the Tokyo Dome against Renderita for the, the TV uh, championship, the new title that's, that's coming true. out. So Zach has a big match for the Dome. Tom does not. So, yeah, to me, I definitely see Tom eating a Zach driver here, getting European clutch or something like that.
4: Well, I think because of how much smack talk there's been with him on his radio show and everything like that that, yeah, it'll probably play out that way, but not before, like, Julia, like, does something to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Julia's gonna smack him or something like that, and then, like, that's gonna lead to a roll-up, or he's gonna get choked out, or something crazy, you know? Yeah. yeah.
2: So then, uh, following that match, we'll have the team of Black Desire, Momo Watanabe, and Starlight Kid. They'll be teaming up with the Suzuki-gun team of Doki and El Desperado, then we'll have and they'll be facing the Meltair team of Natsupoi and Tam Nakano, who will be teaming up with Suzuki guns Taichi and Yoshinobu Kanamaru.
4: Hmm. The, the one thing that's already like starting to kind of uh, stand out to me is like you look at the stardom talent that was kind of displayed in the first match. And then you're looking at the the girls that are on display here. And not to take anything away from, you know, Doki, Despi Taichi, and Kenemaru, but they're really, it feels like, so far, trying to put their best foot forward and highlight their biggest stars in this crossover event. Whereas, like, New Japan's definitely using big names from the domestic side, but they're not necessarily the biggest stars teaming with them. So I almost wonder if this is going to be something to, again put more shine and spotlight on the smaller brand startup.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. Cause like when some of the matches were announced, I was kind of perplexed, but the, like the, like filthy Tom and and Sherry versus Zach and and Julia, I thought it was a fun match, but um, there was another, then the match that we'll, we'll, we'll preview down the, down a couple of more matches. I was like, Where's Okada? You know? Right. Be, you know, and, and there's one there's one wrestler on the roster on the starting roster. We'll we'll talk about it later that I thought would be perfect to pair with Okada um versus Goto. I think um you know, Goto's paired with with Mike, and I think that's a perfect pairing, even though um Tana, you know I'll I'll just say on the, on the opposite side is Tanahashi and Utami. Um, with with Tanahashi he is the ace of the the promotion you know the 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 old ace I guess um whereas Utami she's the you know last year she was the ace of the promotion and she's going to be the future star going forward future leader of the promotion but I thought Uta- the pairing of Utami and Okada would be perfect for that match but um and then there's other matches but this match it's yes, they're putting the best foot forward, but it's still kind of weird in a way because Meltier is a babyface tag team, and they're the current Gods of the tag team champions, but it's really weird that a baby... A, like, oh, they're almost uber babyfaces would be teamed with Taichi <laughs> 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 and Kenamoro. <laughs> it's just like, what is going on here? Well, Even, Go ahead.
4: I did see the um the stuff that they had online where Kennemar was trying to teach uh, Natsupoi the, like, Satori Surprise, the whiskey, you know, spray, and she hated it. Like, she, like, absolutely was, like, not down with, like, the whiskey spray, like, whatsoever. So <laughs> it's just kind of like this weird offbeat sort of, you know, like, these are... This is such a strange mix. Like, they don't go together.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um dating back to the stardom x stardom show in august um taiichi and and desperado they made guest appearances on commentary um and they kind of been paired off since then you know going through social media I knew taiichi um he celebrated with with Natsupoy and Tam when they won the tag team titles um it was it was kind of funny because like uh you know taiichi's you know you you know lord taichi and he's evil and all this stuff but you'd see him with these these two big baby faces you're kind of like what's that whereas you know starlight kid you know now she's she's been a heel for over a year now and her her being you know pairing up with despy that makes sense you know but you know taichi with with them it just doesn't but you know what can what can you do
4: (laughs) well the one thing i would say too is uh you know it like Suzuki Gun are kind of in this, um, you know, tweener. Like, they're definitely heel-leaning tweeners at this point, but depending on what... uh, They're kind of like utility players. Whatever role is called upon them, they can fit into it. If they need to be, like, the badass heel cheaters in a a match, they can be. But they've baby-faced them enough, especially, like, Tai Chi specifically, to where, like, if he needs to lean face... And get over with the crowd and play comedy. Like he can easily like shift modes really quickly.
3: Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a, that's a good fact. You know, with Despy, he's he's gotten a lot of fanfare the last couple of years. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right.
2: Yeah, and even with somebody like Doki, who's kind of been you know the, the underdog fighter in the Sugi Gun Unit, I feel like he's been getting a lot of uh, love from the fans too, just for him kind of being the underdog in a lot of matches and that fan base really loving underdogs and. You know, similar to the, the previous match, it seems like the, the focus here is on the stardom stars. We have the the, the um the tag champs in here. We've got Momo Dabi and Starlight Kid. So I'm thinking that maybe Black Desire is probably gonna pick up a win here to set up a tag title match against the Meltair team.
3: Well, with that, Black they're just well, they're kinda coming off of uh a loss already to to here. Um, to they're coming off. Uh, I'm trying to trying to figure out which uh, when did they, when did they lose the tag team t- title match to them? Um, I'll, I'll, f- I'll figure it out later when I pull it up, but yeah, they're coming off of a tag team title match where they lost black desire lost to melt already. So um, the only way I think they can get a tag match would be the here Another tag team title match is either here or winning the tag league, which I think they could do. Um, they were they were tag team champions earlier this year, um, but they lost to the FWC. Uh, or they, Yeah, they lost to the FWC, and then the FWC lost to the Meltier. So, yeah, this would be kind of important for them to, to pick up the win. Um, you know, Black desire here, but um, we'll see. I, I still have them kind of winning the 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 tag league, but we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes
4: well one of the things i would say for someone like me that's kind of intriguing about this whole entire prospect is because i'm not that familiar with um a lot of the like stardom wrestlers i don't really know who like Typically, if I just looked at this on paper, I would tell you right out the gate, Doki's going to be the pin eater just because it's Doki and he's the lowest man in the tone. And that m- may still be the case, but because I'm not as familiar with the dynamics between these teams, then it kind of just makes things a little bit more unpredictable for someone like me coming into it fresh. Like, I don't have those presuppositions about what will or won't unfold, even if, a, a lot of this is like "quote unquote" preview tags. It still just kind of leaves that intrigue for me because I don't know who's winning and losing.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I just pulled it up. They, <laughs> it's just it's just so many so many shows. But they lost on the November third show for, for pay per view. Black Desire did against um, Mel here. So
4: and with the way that they book, it, it, is it likely that they could get a rematch by winning here, or is it sort of like They've already lost. They're kind of out of the picture, and this is just kind of like a showcase match.
3: Uh, it's kind of like a showcase match. I mean, you could still build off of that. I mean, um, it's funny because uh, the way the, the, the storyline that how Mel Tier even came together was basically booked off of rematches. Um, if any, anybody heard about the natsupoy Tam Nakano cage match, um, that was the first match this year of their sort of mini rivalry because they they had a rematch in Corgan Hall a couple days later. So um, for them, you could book the way of getting a rematch for the tag titles. Um, but I just think because of of um, tag league, I think you there's a lot more scenarios coming along, um, especially right now with tag league going on. So the way
4: it's looking based on everyone's descriptions, um, I mean, Black Desire is probably not in line for Title Shot and they're teaming with Doki, so it's not looking good for this team. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Um, yeah, The New Japan audience should be also somewhat familiar with Tam Nakano and Nat So Tam, she made her New Japan debut teaming with Mai Uitani, uh, taking on Shuri and Julia at the pre-show of Wrestle Kingdom 15, and then she teamed with Saya at Wrestle Kingdom 16 against uh, Mayu and Starlight Kid. And then Natsupoy uh, was at the Wrestle Kingdom 15 pre show dark match, teaming with Hameka and Micah to take on Utami, Azumi, and Saya. So there'll be some familiarity there um, with the New Japan audience. Tam, leader of um, her stable Cosmic Angels, uh, Natsupoy, part of that stable. Um, so yeah, like you were saying, it definitely seems like yeah they're probably gonna have the champs go over strong here, um, considering that they already recently defeated Black Desire.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I, I'll say this: um, watch out for fans. Or fans, like I said, of you know, I'm a fan of Juice Thunder Liger. Somebody who I I think could have um, not not his type of career, but somewhat similar projection to Starlight like Kid in terms of the women's side. Um, when she comes out, she has like a variation of the Liger mask, um, under her mask, which is like, resembles the Tiger mask mask. Um, and with her, with, Li- with, with, with Starlight Kid, she kind of wrestles like Liger a little bit, really aggressive. Ever since she's turned heel, she's been really aggressive. She's small. She's going to be one of the smallest people on the, in the match, but she ro- works really aggressive and works good on top. So. Just keep in mind if you it's the first time you ever seen Starlight like Kid and also she's a high speed wrestler. Um there's gonna be some sequences with her and Natsupoy. Kinda gonna blow your mind. Um hopefully that be incorporated with stuff like Doki and Canamara can do. Um if Ken is up with it, you know, I know he's up there in age, but um still he's still he's still great, but um, you know, Despy, despies despy. So um and Mo Watanabe she's vicious. Um if they break the rules, I want to see momo and and Taichi kick each other like like Taichi <laughs> did with with kotobuchchi I, I that's what I want to see, so I think it's gonna be entertaining like up and down the show, I think it's not a lot of a lot of bad matches up and down the show. There's with, one match that I think is gonna be really bad, but uh we'll get to that later
4: with before we move on to the next match, one question I have. You've mentioned a couple times, obviously, the rules are the, the women wrestle the women, the men wrestle the men. But there are probably those out there who are kind of hoping that they subvert the rules in some way and do have some sort of physical contact between the men and the women. We've seen in the past, in New Japan specifically, where there was that incident with, like, B Priestley and Will Ospreay, where the public outcry was pretty... Pretty big, where it was like, this is, you know, man on woman violence, domestic, blah, blah, blah. But then on the opposite end, you know, you heard people saying, like, these are two trained pro wrestlers. This was, a, you know, a plant spot, it's not what you guys are claiming that it is. Do you feel like there's going to be a camp dissatisfied one way or the other, whether they do or don't do
3: man and women
4: contact in a, you know, professional wrestling setting
3: here? I think so. I think there's there's gonna be always there's gonna be a segment of fans that just not gonna like it. I mean there's gonna be a section of fans that just don't like women's wrestling period, so they're not they're gonna be like, Why why are the women on the show in the first place? But um, you know, you see that with all, all types of sports, you know. You know, I know I know Josh, you're a big boxing fan and there's, you know, a lot of people's just kind of turn the nose up and at, at women's boxing. But, you know, it's been on the rise this year, especially. Yeah. Um, but some people said like, you know, I just don't want to watch women punch each other in the face. It's just not, I'll never do that. You know? And, um, and just with the man, on woman violence, I think that that's, it, it could creep up here with, with new, with the new Japan storm show. But, um, if I think if you do it well enough, um, you could subvert it and, and and make it, and I think it'll be played more for comedy, but, um, I don't think it's going to be that serious or that heinous. Um, they could do of- like the Ronda Rousey, triple H thing where, you know, he bows up, but then
4: ends up selling like death when, when she attacks him, you know, they could do something like that if they really
3: wanted to, and yeah. no one, and no one yeah.
4: seemed to be upset about that across the board right
3: <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think there's i don't even through any of the matches i don't think there's going to be a spot like i don't know remember that viral viral spot that one where i run around with um with Cedric alexander and, and Candice array oh yeah you know, the, the backbreaker. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think there's going to be like that um i hope there's not um just because you know twitter's twitter's already a mess and it's just going to make it a a big mess coming down the road, but um I don't think it's going to be anything like that coming in. I think it's going to be more of uh the women hit the men and it's going to be either played for laughs or it's going to be a key spot in the match.
4: But, but um, what about the opposite way? If they don't do it, are there going to be, you know, how how big is the outcry going to be for those who are like, dang, I wish they wouldn't have, like, handled this with kid gloves and they actually let them, you know, do
3: something? Uh i don't know i don't think it's going to be that i don't i don't know um i don't think there's going to be that big of a outcry from that from that section the, the audience um i i think because that that type of audience or is not going to watch the show ironically mm-hmm. i think that type of audience is not gonna it's not gonna watch the show um I think they they're more sorted towards more of the Indies, even in the Japanese Indies, they're more sorted towards that stuff. Not, but I think that type of crowd is is really more.
4: I I didn't uh, even mean like intergender fans. What I kind of meant is like, you know, for instance, like people that are fans of both brands, I think are probably clamoring for you know the interactions between the, the characters from both brands that they like, you know
0: what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work, but um it's a,
4: it's exciting either way because we just don't know really what they're going to do.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Um That's a, it's a good question. I'm just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Cause I, I feel like the, that the intergender crowd, the intergender fan crowd, they're not going to watch I don't think they're gonna watch the Flock to watch the show, but maybe they are. Maybe
2: I don't know. Well, uh, one last thing on this match, I just wanted to give a shout out to Momo Watanabe. That's been one of my favorite stardom wrestlers. I saw her at the uh, the New York WrestleMania weekend show, the uh, American Dream 2019 in Big Apple. She defended the Wonder of title against Utami, and like ever since then, Momo has been one of my favorites. So, looking forward to seeing her action here.
4: Momo wears the white and the blue.
2: She used to She woman. used to. Yeah.
4: Okay. So I like Momo a lot. I like Starlight Kid a lot too and yeah. Th- this one's going to be good. Yeah,
2: yeah. she
3: used to, she used to um she turned heel last oh, year.
4: Oh, I I saw the turn. Yeah, 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 that's Yeah, hilarious. she yeah, she's now. And Olo. that turn didn't make sense cuz they wrestled each other and then
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, then she started hitting people <laughs> with chairs. For yeah. Dragon S. for Dragon Um <laughs> but yeah. Now she's dyed her hair blonde. She wears purple now um
2: she has a wrench that's put in her kick pads
3: yeah why isn't she
4: teaming with show this makes no sense
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you would think you would think she'd be teaming with show but she's not um i think she does the the uh the wrench spot a lot better than you know show with his antics but um. Yeah, I'm. I'm surprised we didn't get tagged with show. So
4: there's a, there's a lot of people out there that do a lot of things better than show. <laughs> 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 well,
2: let's move on to the next match. Here we have the Ace Hiroshi Tanahashi, teaming up with Futami Hayasista to take on Hiroki Goto and Micah.
3: Yeah, this was the match I was referring to. I thought that you know I mentioned that it was going to. If if Okada was in this match, I thought it would be incredible. Because Utami is basically like the stardom version of Okada. You know, she's really coming to the promotion. Um, ever since she, she came in, in her first match, she had a first match against Joan Kiona and Russell Toole. I got uh was it fifteen or twenty minute time limit? And it was sort of it was really impressive and you know, former Judica and um she's really progressed in her maturation as a wrestler and even in terms of the looks that she's presented herself i think she's really become okada-esque in in the promotion and she's going to be a top player for years to come um and i think um you know tanahashi's tanahashi's the the former ace and you know he's a legend in new japan but i i was that's one, and I love Tanahashi. I think he's he's actually like, if 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 Liger didn't exist, he'd be my my favorite um, New Japan wrestler of all time. But um, with him, teamed with Utami, um I thought Okada would be perfect against Goto and Mika um, in this spot, but um, wasn't 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 a B. wasn't a B. It's
2: also uh, very interesting too. Just looking at you know, the card and some of your notes here, how some people have some big matches the, the day before that goal rush pay-per-view and how that the implications of that kind of play into the next night. So with Tommy, she's challenging Shuri for the red title the night before the goal rush, but clearly it seems like the main like direction they're going is Julia and Shuri. So it's almost kind of giving away that match result there, thinking that Shuri's just going to retain to kind of build up the Julia match.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I knew that the pay-per-view was happening, but I thought for some reason it was the next day. So I thought that this was in many ways previewing the big show, which I've heard from people that are in the know that that's going to be on paper looks to be even better than this show. But the fact that it's happening first, I do I do think that's kind of strange because what if hypothetically, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like what if Utami did win and she's the red champion going into this match? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm
3: and it's it's really weird and um ever since Utami's lost the belt um uh, in December against Sherry she's been basically he's, she's been down pushed um she's been deep pushed down the card and um uh, it's really weird because i thought um last year was a really star making year for Utami they she was booked really really strong um one of the best best red belt reigns in the company's history and now that she's kind of been an afterthought um, throughout the year, I mean, she's got, she got a little bit of her mojo back um, through the five-star Grand Prix and such. And then she'll have this match against Shuri. Cause she picked up a one against Shuri on the second night of the five-star Grand Prix. So that's why she's having the title match, but you know, it, it does give it away that she's not going to win it. Um, Shuri and Julia is the match that everybody's basically clamoring for. And Hall, I mean, Utami and well, the thing about it is, Utami versus Julia is a has been protected for so long. Um I think if they ever run a big building like Budokan Hall or something even bigger, that will be the match. Utami versus Julia that will be the match that everybody that'll be the main event match that draws the draws the fans, and that match has been protected for for a couple of years now. Um, I don't think they'll run it this year for for Sumo Hall just because um, you have it's been advertised already that Julie and Sherry are going to are going to face Julie and Sherry going to face each other. But um, that's something if 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 you're looking to get into stardom, that's the one big match. If you hear that match, Tommy versus Julia, run and watch that match immediately.
2: Nice. Yeah, definitely looking forward to, to that one coming up. Um so then following that matchup, the uh eighth well, match what,
4: what what's the prediction on this one? Because I don't know what what we're looking at here.
3: Oh, um with Micah, Micah um is sort of like it's sort of becoming the go-to of stardom. Um she's a really good wrestler, um, but it's never won a big singles title. Um she hasn't won a big she hasn't even won a big tournament. Um in her career, I mean, dating back with her, she was a big standout. Uh, she was trained by Taka Michinoku at Just Tap Out. Um, her first ever match was against Mima Shimoda and she won. So, um, with her and Utami, they have um, they came in right at the same time, kind of debuting in, in, in the same time period, and even wrestled against each other as rookies. And they had they had at the time they had similar looks, um, both judoka. Um, and they've had a, a budding rivalry ever since, and they've wrestled each other, um, throughout the years. And with her and Micah, that's, it's another rivalry match coming into, into this match. Whereas, uh, Goto and, and Tanahashi do have history, but not like what, what Utami and, and Micah have, which they're still building their own rivalry, uh, down the road. Whereas, whereas Tanahashi and Goto, it's, it's, it's very it. Yeah, they've already had it. And so, again, like you like Josh said before, it's kind of showcasing, it's, it's showcasing the, the, uh, the, what's going on with stardom, pushing them to the front. I don't think, uh, I don't think Godo or Tanahashi are going to take the fall here. I think Mike is taking the fall. So <laughs> there's a, the guys are not going to be taking the pins, but, um, Mike is taking the pin here, but, yeah, this is gonna be mostly a showcase for, for what Tommy and Julia and um, I wanna say Julia Tommy and Micah could do here in this match.
2: Yeah, it seems like yeah, Micah's kinda doomed here being the Goto All-Star I'm teaming with Goto, so yeah, definitely doesn't seem them. their chances are very good.
3: Yeah, I do like that Micah's been taking shots at uh Tanahashi uh through social media. Um, you know, Tanahashi's birthday came was 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 recently happened recently and uh in a tweet Mike uh, a quote tweet him said wow one year older than my mother Happy <laughs> birthday <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's one, it, i like i like the i like the the going back and forth you know basically the the women call calling each other calling the guys old and stuff like that so it's it's been pretty funny <laughs>
2: Well, uh, moving on to the next match on the card, we have the LIJ team of Bushi, Hiromu, Sonata, Shingo, and Tetsuya Naito. They'll be taking on the United Empire team of Francisco Akira, Lord Gideon Gray, Kyle Fletcher, Mark Davis, and TJP. So this it's kind of a uh, continuation of the LIJ and United Empire feud that's been kind of going on the last several months, especially uh, with Naito and Will Ospreay, who just recently had a U.S. title match. So we're kind of seeing the the aftermath of that kind of play out here with this multi-man matchup here.
3: Yeah, yeah, and um, I know I heard listening to you guys before and you were talking about Lord Gideon Gray and you were like, your wife came in and she was just like, ew. Yeah, Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know, Lord getting great he kind of he kind of gives off that um I've been entertained by him uh I'm not gonna lie when he does his introductions and um I, you know i saw the um not on, on a battle on him but the 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 night before on in Osaka where he just comes in I was surprised how many people were like like happy to see him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: he he's gotten over very quickly with that domestic audience, his I think his antics in the ring, his presence, the way that he announces the United Empire, just his whole role since being in Japan, the, the domestic audience has really been eating that up and really behind him in Cork and Hall you you get these huge Gideon Gray chants on those nights where they were allowed to cheer and yeah, they're they're super into him.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I like the United Empire. I know a lot of people they say what whatever they want about Will Ospreay or even T J P but um they're a good unit. I like I like the I like what they've done uh, the past year and a half. Just uh, you know, you know, Francesco, you know, Francisco Akira and T J P they're a really good tag team and you know, you know Kyle Davis and you know, Aussie open, they Kyle Davis and Mark Kyle. Blah, 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 Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher, um getting tongue tied here. They're a really good tag team and I've really enjoyed Night Empire as a whole, up and down with with Cobb and O'Con and, and Osprey. Um, the, the, every time I watch them, they're pretty much breath breath of fresh air. And then previewing this match, you know, Lij matches, I could watch a hundred Lij multi man tag matches. I'm never bored by them because they always they're always fun. They're always fun to me, and and I, it's it's not going to be it's not going to be it's not gonna be a bore or a skip for me. I always always stick through and watch those. Every time I come through watch an undercard, I always watch the LIJ match.
4: Yeah, I think um today in 2022's New Japan landscape, these are the two best teams at doing the multi-man match. And I think you've got a really good mix of some of the best guys from those two groups to kind of go out there and um, you know, have a fun fast-paced, you know, showcase, undercard, t- you know, multi-man tag team match. Yeah, and not Empire, they're one of my favorite factions right now in New
2: Japan. I really love what they've done with the faction over the last year. A, a lot of new members really, you know, strengthened that unit there. And they're right up there, like Josh mentioned, with LIJ and kind of being one of these great teams, no matter who you put in that multi-man match, whether it be, you know, six-man, eight-man, ten-man tag, whoever you throw in there, you get these very high-paced, very entertaining matches, and, you know, TJP and Akira, the Catch-22 team, you know, they're the junior tag team champions right now. They've picked up a lot of momentum very quickly, you know, teaming together and winning those titles, and they've formed an excellent tag team. And then, obviously, you got Aussie Open, who have they've had a, you know, wonderful year this year with all over the world, especially with their matches against um, FTR recently at the Royal Quest show, um, so yeah, United Empire—they're—they're they're a breath of fresh air in New Japan right now. They're just an awesome unit, and I like what they're doing. And so yeah, it should be a great preview match here. I'm sure we'll continue to see, you know, the, the antics with uh, Naito and Gideon Gray continue here throughout the, the Battle Autumn Tour. Naito was stealing Gideon Gray's coat, his cane. So I'm He's sure he still got it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. When I saw Naito with, with uh, that coat, I was like. Naito looks homeless. Like what's <laughs> going on here? Like, like I uh, then I found out he stole Getting Grace's coat. I was like, oh, that makes sense. But it just it looks it's hilarious. You know, with the he comes out with the coat, the Lij T shirt. You know, and the and the coat's so long, it just it covers his his trunk. So he's <laughs> no more like you know wearing pants and. It's just, it's hilarious every time I see
4: it. It is a funny idea just because of all the years we've seen Naito for his big matches come out with the trench coats and, you know, the elaborate jackets. And then suddenly, like, he's in this, like, homeless man's, like, overcoat. And it's even funnier because Gideon Gray's supposed to be this, like, huge, like, you know, financial benefactor for the United Empire. He's supposed to be the money mark. But, like, he dresses <laughs> in these, like, really homely, like, sort of you know things one one thing that happened too last week uh we didn't make mention of it on our review but uh leading into that into the osaka show they did the whole uh reservoir dogs thing where every single member of united empire came out uh uh you know in a suit with a white jacket or whatever and they all looked fresh to death but the one guy that if you paid close attention was out of place was lord gideon gray i don't know if this was on purpose or not i really don't know but like he was wearing a black suit black tie brown belt brown shoes and i'm like (laughs) aren't you the rich guy like why are you wearing this and i don't know if it's like on purpose or if he just actually didn't know and like i think both ways works with his character either way you know
3: yeah yeah that was hilarious he's so great he looked like the Steve Buscemi character from *Reservoir Dogs*, though. Like he really did. Like you looked like a cop. Like you. You looked like a cop. He didn't. Look, he looked really out of place there.
4: That's true. I've never thought of that. But like, if there was, if there was ever like, let's say, if like Gideon Gray, I don't know, like if they decided to cast him in a role, Steve Buscemi should play him a hundred percent.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so in, in this matchup, yeah, Gideon Gray is probably definitely eating the pinfall here. If you look, who's on the on the other side of things? So yeah, Lij probably getting the win here.
4: Either that or Naito. You know, he
3: loses. <laughs>
4: uh, Can't win the big one, so you know.
3: Oh boy! <laughs> not, not touching that one.
2: <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next matchup here. So we have the Chaos team of Kazuchika Okada and Toru Yano will be teaming up with the Great Muta To take on the United Empire Team of Aaron Hanare, Great Okan, and Jeff Cobb We did have a question here from Rambo and Slam Pig he says, I see Jeff Cobb is still listed for Muta's match A historic crossover, but is not Involved in Tag League and got pulled From the Tamahashi shows Any update on his condition? So Jeff Cobb Was pulled uh, from those uh, Tamahashi New Zealand Australian Shows due to personal Reasons, so I'm um, doesn't seem like he's gonna make it historic crossover not 100 clear there hasn't been any announcements as of this recording so maybe Cobb gets dropped out and they, they switch it to a, a straight up tag with uh Hanari and Okan against maybe Okada and Muta
4: yeah it's an interesting thing too because of the high profile of this match in particular you know having great Muta and you know, the great Ocon and, and all the storyline and build that's, you know, kind of preceded this. You would think that by this point with us knowing that Cobb is out, they would have made some sort of announcement, but you know, it's not always new Japan's strong suit to uh, always a hundred percent of the time have perfect communication when it comes to stuff like this. Uh, you would think that they would, but that's not always the case. So maybe he will be in it. and We just, you know, maybe it's too big of a match for him to miss out, and that, that's the one date he's keeping right now. Or maybe they're going to replace him or change the match format. You know, I don't know.
2: Yeah, we, we don't know if Jeff's injured or not. They said personal reasons. Maybe something came up where he had to miss uh, the Tamahashi, Tamahashi shows in New Zealand and Australia. Um, so, yeah, maybe he will be on his card and then take more time off, especially since he's off for uh, World Tag League. Um, but yeah, this whole match came together with the the TV title tournament when Okan was facing Toriyano in the first round match, and lights went off, went back on. Great Muta was there, made his surprise uh, or turn in New Japan, shooting the the green mist at Okan's face, causing him to lose to Toriyano in that TV title tournament. And we've seen this little like weird rivalry develop between the Great Muta and Great Okan, based off of them teaming together in NOAA. And Muta's missing Okan there. And so we're just kind of seeing this thread continue throughout Muta's retirement tour, having this feud with the great Okan. And then, um, you know, Okada won the team with Muta and, and Yano, very thankful for the help there. So that's how that team kind of came together. And then, of course, Okan, part of the United Empire, calling in Aaron Hanare and Jeff Cobb here to, to get the six man tag.
3: Now, I'm going to ask you guys this is this. 'Cause I saw people saying, well, this is technically might be Muda's last uh last match in New Japan. I don't think so. I think I don't think so personally. Do you think that this is foreshadowing a program with him in Okan at the Dome? Um
4: so my only thinking with that is like he's got that match on one one against uh Nakamura, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe he can't keep that Tokyo Dome date, but you might be right. I I don't think that that's outside of the realm of possibility. I'm wondering if he's angling to get into a match with Okada. Could be. (laughs) Jeremy's like kind of shaking his head, but I think once you look at it on paper and you start thinking about it and you think about like Muda's track record, like, This might just all be a swerve to get Okada (laughs) and Muta in a match together before he bows out, which I don't even think he's actually going to bow out, anyways. Like I remember a few years ago, I don't know if you guys recall this, but like he did the whole tour where it was like, this is the final time he's gonna use the moonsault, and there were like six matches. Yeah, yeah. And then and then and then and then after that it was like, I'm doing another tour, but this time it's the last time Kijimuto uses the (laughs) <laughs> the moon salt, the final moon salt <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> he did like a second tour under the other character's name, and then, after it was all over, and all those people paid the money and they thought that they saw his final moon salts, he kept doing it <laughs> 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 so like I have no reason to believe that this whole entire tour and you know all the dates and yada yada, like I don't even think that he's really retiring
3: personally i I don't think so either i have I've had a you know. You know, Muda was Muda and Liger were my gateways into, and basically, and for a lot of people, it was my gateways to Japanese wrestling. But you know, with Muda, you know, recently, I just and it's kind of soured my leg his legacy to me. And my thinking is is that Muda is not going to do. I thought the best thing for Muda um, these last couple of years, and I know it was probably too expensive for you know for him to run, was that Pro Wrestling Masters promotion i thought that was i i was one of the few people that enjoyed it i watched it was like kind of like you know you're watching like senior tour wrestling you know it's you know you can see all the seniors you see ricky choshi come out and maybe fujinami come out um i know liger did a match there you know it's
4: kind of what tradition is at this point really
3: yeah yeah and i thought um because it used to air on geora tv and i probably like once every two months or once every three months, and I, I really, I kind of enjoyed it. It's something you just put on the TV while you're doing stuff and just watching. You see all the old guys come out, and Corgan would always be packed, always be packed for those shows, and and they always react big to all the old guys coming in. And um, I thought that was going to be his lane, just bringing in old guys in, and do go that route. You know, tradition tradition's more. You know, it's more Fujinami's thing. You, you'll You'll see, you'll see more of the slow grappling stuff. Whereas, um, where Pro Wrestling Masters is more kind of an entertainment based. Um, they brought in a lot of other people, but um, you know, to vary up the card. But it was more of an entertaining entertainment, and I thought that was Muto's, you know, lane to do. And um, it's not been that, and Noah's kind of pivoted themselves as the senior tour of wrestling <laughs> in terms of that. So. Um, you know it's kind of it's kind of weird and it's because i think uh,
4: go ahead yeah that that whole idea of the masters tour and all these guys going out and um you know playing themselves but like older versions of themselves that kind of reminds me of like uh you hear the stories of like in the 90s back in like in the the uk all the like uh the vacation like wrestling promotions where you had like fake x-pop yeah yes (laughs) it's like the same idea Like you see the guys coming out to play the characters that they used to be but they actually are the guys that played them so it's like (laughs) (laughs) it's not that far off from that
3: (laughs) yeah yeah but you know with noah like they they have a bunch of guys um and get you probably guys probably talked about it. they got a bunch of young guys that they could they can go with, but they're still going with these big older stars. And you know, I I enjoy I enjoy Noah's product. I enjoy the commentary team. Um I enjoy I enjoy the production. I think Noah has the best production value, even even kind of it beats New Japan in, in certain ways. Um it does. Yeah. but um but with this Muda thing, like it's just it's really turned me sour to, to everything that he's done lately. It's just, it's not it. I mean, there, I won't say there hasn't been entertaining matches. The King of Media match was, was entertaining. Even the Go Shiyazaki match match um, where he won the belt was kind of sort of entertaining, but um, it's just been over and over. And, and I know what they're trying to do, especially with um, Abima, Abima TV. Um, you know, I'm, I don't know if you guys were familiar with what they put on the kickboxing match they put on during the summer, um, with tension and Takaru um, that mm-hmm. drew like 50, 60, 50 or 60,000 people. Those seats were going insane. Um, in terms of just, um, high, you know, lots of, lots of, um, high, high price seating at ringside and stuff like that. I wonder if they're going to go that route because, um, you know, around that that around that fight, it was like something I've never seen before in terms of a Tokyo Dome seating, where they they were bringing luxury chairs into the into the arena mm. for ringside seats. I wonder if a meet of Ibima and CyberFight is going to do the same in terms of of doing it for for Muto's retirement show, just charge. Out the wazoo for for ringside seats and stuff like that i wonder if they're going to do that well i think yeah. those are
4: already sold but right. they they did charge an exorbitant price for all of them i i mean i, I don't know if they could expand who knows what the the layout
3: is but the, yeah they might do that yeah right so i think i think that's that's the playbook that amoeba and cyberfights doing just um trying to find Kind trying to follow that kickbox, that kickbox event because that did so much money. I mean, it, what was it like twenty, like twenty? It was a twenty million dollar gate or something like that. It was so, so huge. And That's I don't crazy. know, if, I don't know if this, I don't know if Muda is a big star in Japan, but I don't know if it's going to be to this extent where they're going to pack in, you know, four, even forty thousand people. I don't think it's going to touch that, but um i just wondering what what's gonna be the end game for it because, you know, we know he's not gonna re- fully retire. But yeah, and you I, know. I,
2: th- I think the thing is, yeah, like you mentioning just like the gate and the money. I think Muta is realizing like how much money these you know final quote unquote shows are doing, and I'm sure mm-hmm. after we see the gate from that you know big January first show with Nakamura, like I'm sure he's gonna con- like kind of continue to find a ways. To, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this. My real real like retirement tour and it's going to (laughs) kind of continue to extend like you mentioned like him getting a match at the Dome like I hadn't initially thought about it but now that I do think about it I'm like what better way than to like really kind of get another extra payday and really have a big kind of send off than having a match at the Dome and you know we're back to a one night Tokyo Dome car this year for New Japan and you want to have things that really make it seem big and special and right now great okan doesn't have anything he's in the tag league but i doubt that him and Hernandez are going to win the tag league um so a big spot for great okan could be to have that big last quote-unquote last singles match for great muta in the dome for new japan
4: yeah i i think if this was going to actually be and it was determined already it was going to be the final muta match in new japan they would say it, you know, it would be billed as such. And so far that hasn't been the case. The only thing we've heard is on commentary is like, maybe it could be, you just never know. I mean, but I, I think that there's money to be made in potentially doing a final new Japan match, whether that be on one four or whether that be in something else afterwards. I mean, I could see Muda showing up at uh new year's dash and, doing an angle for them to do some big house that we don't even know they're planning on doing next year in jan you know in february or march or something like that you know Mm, what i mean yeah so those i think those are still viable prospects that are on the table um but one one other thing i just want to make mention is uh i was watching noah today because obviously that that's the uh recommended match of the or the excursion match of the week and my girlfriend was there watching it and she's like why does this look better than new japan (laughs) I was like, the production levels are really good. And she's like, well, why don't you watch this? And I was like, I don't I don't have the time. And then <laughs> and then I was trying to explain to her the backstory about like Muta. And she's like, Oh, so so he's Hogan. And I was like, Yes. <laughs> and I was like, Except there's like six Hogan's in this company right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, the reason I don't watch is because you know they got Eddie and you know Jericho and Ray and all those guys, you know, they're holding them down, and they got Nash Hall and You know, player and Hogan and Macho Man on top right now.
2: It's it's like TNA Hogan era where you had all you know main event mafia, Hogan, Steiner, all (laughs) those guys pushing down AJ and Joe and
3: Daniels. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. You should have been like, sit down, let me tell you about Cass Vegeta.
4: no because if i did that her eyes would just roll over and be like all right i'm done with this
3: <laughs> all you guys show is him, him getting knocked out in pride and Silva knockout that's all you guys do uh i
4: i don't care i love fujita like that's the, that's the one guy that's the one old guy i'll give the pass to i don't care what anyone says like is he unprofessional yes like you know it, it does he is he not that big of a star like yes like but i don't care i love fujita Oh, one other thing too. I want before we move on, and you were making a great point, Jeremy, about um, as time goes on, Muda is seeing that there's like more and more money to be made. But it, like, let's not forget that before jumping to Noah, he wasn't drawing for years and years and years and years. And it's like just the perfect culmination of like time and opportunity that's created the scenario that we're in right now. And I can only see if he like let's say if he fully retires. I think he comes back and I can only see it going one of two ways. Either he like cashes in for like a big, huge payday because it's too enticing for him to come back or it'll just be to diminishing returns. Like so many other legends to where like, he'll just continuously like, he's not going to stay doing these huge numbers. You know, the only reason they're doing it is because it's his, it's his send off and people actually think that they're watching his real send off and it's not. (laughs) Yeah, they get they getting worked. <laughs> yeah, which is what wrestling is. So maybe they're doing it right. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I, I thought I saw Undertaker's last match against Roman Reigns, WrestleMania <laughs> thirty
4: three. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. They didn't even say it was, but you know he he folded up his jacket. He put his gloves in the yeah. The he, put it, he thought he was
2: done. I thought he was done. Yeah, he lost. <laughs> you he put he put the gloves in you know, like it's it's a it's a wrap.
3: But. but it's it's funny because with 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 Muto, like I remember that Russell Kingdom when he faced Tanahashi for the title I thought he was wrapping up then
4: <laughs> <laughs> people thought that was the send off like oh well Muto's obviously on his way out this is pretty much it
3: <laughs> yeah I thought that was legit passing the torch and he would wind down and whatever. well. 20, almost 20 years later. <laughs> it was. I mean, if we're being
4: honest, it was the only, like, passing of the torch that he, like, legitimately did that stuck in the past, what, 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah i give him a little bit of credit for that, at least. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, moving on to the uh, semi-main event on this show, we have the IWGP United States Heavyweight title on the line. The champion, Will Ospreay, will defend against the Roughneck Shota shooter Umino. So, like we mentioned last week, uh Umino returning from excursion from Rev Pro attacked Will Osprey to set up this uh matchup here. They did previously wrestle at Royal Quest, uh, where Osprey there was that controversial finish. Osprey was throwing the elbows with the back of Umino's head. Umino's dad, Red Shoes was a ref, he stopped it early. And so now there's a lot of questions on, you know, on that whole angle, how that's going to play into Umino's future and how that's going to play into this rematch here. And, you know, we're seeing right now a lot of young Lions come back from Excursion, getting big pushes from Narita facing Zack Sabre in the Dome, Hikaleo. He's about to be the never-open-weight champion. So we're seeing these young line guys come back with that 2018-2019 class. Guys are are coming back. Obviously, great Ocon and everything he's doing there. A lot of these guys are are getting their footing. They're getting pushes. Uh, So the big question is, is is New Japan going to strap the rocket to Umino here and have him beat Will Ospreay, his first match, back from Excursion and become the U.S. champ? Or are they going to go a Jay White route, have him have an excellent match, but lose, um and then kind of build him
4: up from there. Well, Jeremy, I think you did a great job giving us that very vital recap, especially the part about Real Quest, because a lot of people needed to hear that. You know why? Because nobody watched it. <laughs> so few people saw that shit. It took them 14, 15 days to put that stuff up on New Japan World in 2022 for shame. No, but, um, yeah, we've seen these guys in high-profile matches recently, just in the past year alone, um, twice. And the last match they had in England was vastly superior to the first one that they had back in, like, November of last year. Uh, we, we've seen huge market improvements from Shooter Umino. And, um, you know, the last match that they had when we saw it, I think both your and I's opinion was that the match was very good. But that they were leaving a lot on the table, and the, the way they ended the match so prematurely, it seems like we've got this match and the big return of um, Shoto Amino. And I, I got to say, I don't think that because Wrestle Kingdom is right around the corner, I would be really flabbergasted if they took the title off Will Osprey and put it on Shoto Amino like a couple months before the Dome, especially since. He just beat Naito, who probably is a more viable candidate to beat Will Ospreay. But I am looking forward to this one quite a bit just because it is the big return of Umino. I want to see what he has to offer on this stage with this opponent. And um, I think it's going to be really, really, really good. Either way, win, lose, or draw, it's going to be a huge coming-out party for Umino. And you know Will's going to do everything in his power to you know, make him look as good as he possibly can. And ultimately my call is this is leading to Moxon and, and Will Ospreay for the dome, especially if they can't arrange, you know, the Kenny Omega Will Ospreay thing between now and then. Although who knows, it looks like they're coming back. Maybe, maybe Kenny, you know, shows up on the screen <laughs> and uh, you know, we get the 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 big, you know, surprise promo at the end of the night or at the end of this match. I don't know. Um, JML what are your thoughts on all this
3: um, With this match I think you you, you two guys Nailed it um, I think that The Mox match is most likely Going to come because of Just because of the controversial nature That Mox beat Osprey at Windy City Riot um, mm, I think yeah. they're due for, a, due for a rematch I was surprised that Um um, around in AEW, I think it was all, you know, all out, you know, we had, when AEW had Punk versus Mox, like the, was the week before or two weeks before in Cincinnati, I thought, um, you know, the, that match was in question. Like if they're going to do another rematch, and I was like, what if they put Will in, in the match against Mox, you know, but um, maybe that's, it was too protected for, for, from New Japan that it was going to happen. So, um, I would love to see Mox versus First Osprey again, and especially at the dome. Um, another outcome that could happen is if Amino wins, um, the first challenger is it basically is his mentor, Mox. You know, him versus Mox and then you split up. You could have another match with uh, you know have an angle where where Osprey's Osprey's sad again and then Kenny shows up one one more time just to torment him and you could have that match. It won't be for a title, but it'll just be a great match. It'll be a grudge match for them. So you could have, you could do it that way. Have two matches where you know, show you know, Shota kind of needs it and needs the rub, and he'll face Mox for the U.S. title. That would be great. And then you have Osprey and Kenny, which would be another great match. You know, automatically. So you could do it that way. Um,
4: I think either, that. I think yeah. that echoes a lot of the the booking behind omega dropping the belt to jay white all those years ago was like he dropped the belt but it led directly into the hot feud between him and cody that and the golden lovers reunion and it was kind of like you know jay white who you know and it was a great way to get the belt off of him i'm not saying they're going to do what you're mentioning there jml but like if they booked it right uh not just the booking but with the right like program behind it the right like segments that could be fantastic like i wouldn't be opposed to that outcome at all like ending up with mox and uh and showed amino 101 and then ended up with kenny and will like that's a that's an incredible like two series program for the dome like that'd be so
3: cool yeah 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 especially since you're you're not doing it for two nights like to me if if um if you're doing it two night if you go going, if they were doing another two night dome then I would I would actually see um you know Shota winning winning this match and then having another match you know having a match with the Will versus versus Mox at the dome and then the second night would be the winner of that match going against going against Aminu. but you don't have a two night dome and you're trying to stack other traditional dome show but to me you got to get as much Big as many big matches as you can to fill up that fill up that dome and sell as many tickets. To me, splitting off that match and having you could still have the Kenny in and Will match, but also get more bang for your buck and have um and have have Shota versus versus um, versus Mox because I think what Mox could do giving Shota the rub would be would be tremendous. But that's that's my opinion. I don't know.
4: Hey, if, if it happens, you said it here first. You're going to be the one
3: that gets <laughs> to take the victory lap.
2: Yeah, I think something, too, that could play into maybe the result of this match is what's going to happen at the AEW Full Gear view the night before. I was ja, about that. John ja Moxley's is in the main event defending against MJF, and I don't know, I have a hard time seeing Mox show up at the Dome with the AEW world title Especially with it being a Wednesday uh, January 4th uh, Jericho
4: did it I
2: don't know I just feel like they would <laughs> I don't know I feel like Of a, a Wednesday Dynamite And Mox is champion TK might want him there I guess you could do pre-tape There's a
4: bigger pro- show there's a bigger Fuck <laughs> Seattle you know it's so good, calling. You, you
2: could do I guess uh, pre-tape Promos with Mox to get him on, on The AEW show but I feel like If he drops a belt I think it's a sure shot sign that he will be at the Tokyo Dome. If he's not the champ and either yeah, challenge Ma, or challenge Osprey for the US title uh, or set something up for him, something else up for him at the dome.
4: With how hot MJF is right now, that's not out of the question at all. So yeah, I think that those are some intriguing things to think about. Um we do have a couple questions regarding this match before we talk about the main event.
2: Yeah, friend of show, Rich Lattice says, would Will Ospreay rather be teaming with Azumi?"
4: <laughs> I, I don't know. The only thing I know about Will Ospreay when it comes to Joshi is the gif where he's like,
2: oh, I love women's wrestling. I love Joshi Porras. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 Joshi! <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Will, it's funny because, you know, Will, he, he, know, he knows how to push the right buttons, but he's really a Joshi Mark in, in all loving ways. Um... He actually with Azumi, um, when he was when he was with B Priestley, had a relationship with B Priestley, um, he used to come into the star Dojo and help the girls out train and, and do stuff, you know. Um there's a couple of training sessions with him and Azumi and Sayakamatani. You know, if if you watch Sayakamatani, she is trying to be Will Osprey and Koda Bushi, you know, it mixed together. You know, that's that's her that's her game. So um, you know, that, with, that
4: sounds like the best wrestler that ever lived. So. <laughs>
3: <laughs> She's not quite. She's not quite. But um, you know, with the Zumi, yeah, like um, you know, Zumi said like you know, um, Will's kind of like a wrestling dad almost. So with the Zoomie, that's that was one of those things. Like I, I was surprised that you know, late in the game that Will was announced for this this card, but he's announced against Shota. But I would have would have been I think he would have loved to tag with with Azumi or or Starlight Kid or some or someone in the high speed division just to be on this show. He would have loved to do that. Um um you know to me but you know against Shoda it's gonna be a great match either way. He's just he's a walking four star match. You know, everything that I've seen of him I think he's he's great talent and um I'm happy that he's still with New Japan all these years.
2: Yeah. I uh, also had a question here from The Broken Poet. says, says, uh, what do you think happens in the Roughneck Children match? Do you see them dragging out this out to Wrestle Kingdom? And what if Red Shoes is a ref? Hopefully not.
4: Uh, so I think we kind of gave our pro- projections and predictions, but I do think he brings up a great point, the fact that uh, Red Shoes, Umino, you know, being his dad, had only refereed one other match in his entire, in Sh- Shoto entire career. And then, um, you know, he was the referee for the Royal Quest match and ended it prematurely. And Miller, you brought up a really great point too, that there was that previous questionable stoppage that had happened earlier in the year in the Mox match. So it's almost like those two matches kind of echo one another. And in both cases, Red Shoes was the referee. And so I think there is gonna be the intrigue if he does end up being the the one referring the match is there you know still those questions of conflict of interest because it is his son who's returning, and how does that all play into the story? It's kind of uh you know uncharted territory when it comes to new Japan
3: yeah, and with i'm I'm guessing because because this is this is the semi main and um I guess red shoes would be refereeing this match. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd be shocked if he's refereeing the main event because, um, stardom has their own red shoes in Daichi. Um, he, and he's been, he's been around wrestling for years. He's actually ref for new, new Japan and all Japan. Um, but he, you know, he dates all the way back to, um, the all Japan women's days. He's been refereeing that long, but, um, but for, but for this match, yeah, I don't know if, if they're going to, they're gonna drag this out. Um, I have to I have to rewatch the the Royal Quest match because I had it on earlier today. Um, I just got got busy with stuff with terms of real life work stuff, but um, yeah, like I if they, if they do another angle, you know, with with Red Shoes, um, I'd be interested to see what what goes on, you know, down the road if if they run an angle saying you know you you know Shota can't can't have him in the matches anymore or whatever. And um, I know new Japan isn't that dramatic, you know, um, in terms of storytelling with that, but it'll be at a new wrinkle um, to it. If, if the, if he's involved in the finish once again. Yeah. I'm not sure what they're going to do. I mean,
2: I hope they don't, they don't harp on that relationship too much and kind of keep having these kind of screwy finishes with him. Um, and who knows, maybe that's, this ends up to him beating Osprey somehow, and-, and Reggie's missing a call for Osprey and helping his son win. So who, who knows what's going to happen? But either way, I think it's- it should be a-, a great matchup. So let's move on to the-, the main event of this show, and it's going to crown the first-ever IWGP Women's Champion. So we have Mayu Iwatani taking on Kairi. They have a three to two head to head record with uh, Iwatani having the, the three there in that record. So uh, this will be the sixth time that they faced off and we're going to crown our first ever IWGP women's champion.
4: Yeah, I, I think just uh, for me looking at this, uh, when the brackets were first kind of announced, we figured out who the participants were. This just made the most sense for a lot of reasons, uh, with them talking about what this title was supposed to be, something that was, um, defended both in stardom, but also major shows in new Japan, as well as, you know, internationally in the, in the, in the West over in the U S, um, for like strong and maybe other, you know, probably us pay-per-views. It made sense that the two most high profile stars from a Western perspective would probably headline, um, and that's what we ended up here. Obviously, Kairi is sort of making history in the fact that she, this is the first woman to ever headline a pay-per-view for both WWE stardom and New Japan ever in history. So that's a big deal there. And then, um, you know, ever since her and Io Shirai left to go, you know, stateside, um, it's kind of been my Iwatani who's been like, the figurehead and focal point of stardom, even if she wasn't the champion, she's always kind of been like the heart and soul of the company started with the company came up through their dojo system and has even really represented them. Well, when working either like in the UK or the U S via like ring of honor and stuff like that. So they probably are the two most recognizable stardom names from a Western perspective at this current time. And considering all the history behind them, it, it just makes a lot of sense that this is the match that they would go with. I, both both women are, you know, top five, top ten, you know, women wrestlers in the world currently. At at many times, they've both probably been near the top in the past decade. Um, so, I mean, this is a pretty high profile, very prolific type match. I'm excited for it, and I don't know. I mean, my Iwatani was the SWA champion. She just you know, recently relinquished that belt. I don't know if they're going to continue with it or if this is, this new belt is going to sort of replace it in a certain, you know, spiritual sense. I don't know, but, um, I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. Like definitely, because I, I, being someone who hasn't really followed stardom, I haven't seen too much of Kyrie since she returned to Japan, but, um, I've always been a big fan of hers and, you know, Mayu's, one of, if not the best, so this is just going to rule. It's going to be incredible, and I, I probably also expect it to be high drama and, you know, very emotional as well. Just considering the history there.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing that kind of throws this match off is that Kyrie, like I said earlier, is challenging for the white belt the night, literally the night before against mm. Um and that's been a a that's been a hype match um for months now especially since Kyrie came down with covid um so with that i don't know if it, it's kind of giving it away because i don't think she's going to beat saiyakamitani um it would be weird for her to come in as the white belt champion mm-hmm. um and for this match but um with, but with them if you've ever seen Kyrie and and in face each other um they're they have really good chemistry. Um, it's it, I wouldn't expect less than a great match from these two. Um, the last time they faced each other, it was during Mayu's run in 2017 where she 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 won uh, the Wonder of Storm title. She beat Kairi and then went on to beat Io Shirai for the World of Storm title to unify the titles. And it, it was basically the biggest Pushing for a career, and if people don't know um, that ended prematurely because she had a, she faced Tony Storm, and she basically broke her arm um, during the match and had to forfeit the match. And Tony Storm became the World Star Champion. So um, with that, um, Mayu won the last match. Um, Rossi does sometimes do even Stephen booking, even if it's years later. So I personally think um, Kyrie's going to win. The first IWGP Women's Championship. Um, I know that you know it, for either one, it makes more it makes sense because you know you just brought Mayu over. She could come on New Japan Strong shows. She has a visa now um, for this year, or so or, or the the following calendar year. So it'd be easy for her to come in. Um, but for for Kyrie, I think um, just having an international presence with her being the former WWE wrestler. Um, you know, I saw one of the questions coming from JD's thinking, you know, who's the bigger star, Mayu or or Kyrie. I think in Japan, Mayu's the bigger star, but Kyrie in terms of, if you want to expand the Western audience, she's a familiar name that everybody could, could grab on. And um, New Japan hasn't used her a lot. I mean, not New Japan, uh, Stardom hasn't used her a lot. Um, and, because she does have outside work. She just opened up her new gym. Um, so she's been doing that, but she hasn't worked a lot, a lot of stardom. She's basically become one of the part time legends for them. So right. if, if she wins this title, um, she'd get increased, increased bookings for the next coming years, not just what's next coming year, not just with stardom, but also New Japan and New Japan Strong. So I, I could see that, uh, being the case for her, uh, you know? with its match.
4: It also feels like this title is gonna kinda be a part timer belt anyway, so that might fit into what she's doing anyways, right?
3: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because um, with with my with Mayu, um she faced Shuri. I mean, Starnham had a back to back in March with Sumo Halls. Um, and I mentioned that Shuri beat um, Julia, but the next night she beat Mayu Itani. I encourage everybody who's listening to go out and watch those matches. Um, they were really good. Um, but after the shuri match, uh, Mayu Itani cut a promo. Um, you know, backstage, you know, sort of, sort of what New Japan does after a big match. They go backstage um, at the at sort of like the mini press conference, and she she vowed to win the, a world championship by the end of. Uh, twenty twenty two. Um she she won the SWA championship, but it's not the same. You know, for her, her her storyline is to redeem herself and win the win a big championship. And people didn't know it was gonna be the IWGP women's championship. So I could see her winning here, but it's more likely that Kyrie's gonna win and and have this title be the part time title, like you said, Josh.
2: And uh Jay, you mentioned uh JD's question, JD from Red Leaf Retrocast, you know, saying what do you guys think of the discussion of point the current crop of NJPW slash stardom fans believe Mayu to be the bigger star than Kyrie, both domestically and internationally. The point about around Kyrie was in WWE, but it wasn't it isn't WWE fans watching stardom nor going to strong shows. And I think like you were mentioning, I I do think that Kyrie is the, the bigger name internationally just due to her WWE and NXT um, Experience and it's The exposure from that audience And so to have her Somebody who's already familiar with American wrestling fans I I think that's a great pick to to Send over to America and put on Those um, New Japan Strong Shows, those uh, New Japan of America Pay-per-views And so to me I, I do think that Kyrie is the bigger international Star even though my youth does have Ton kind of experience here in the U.S. and she was on a ton of those like New Japan Ring of Honor shows that they used to do and was mm-hmm. all the, on ROH tapings and we've seen her recently at the the 44th Street pay per view New Japan just did a couple weeks ago here. Um, so I think she definitely has a, a presence internationally as well, but I definitely think Kyrie is
4: is higher. Well, another thing too to take into consideration is. Granted, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend to know the business metrics of say Joshi wrestling. So that might change my answer if if what I'm saying is incorrect. But just historically speaking, from what I've seen from Purezu, even if like the audience in Japan isn't actively, and there are people who do actively watch WWE, but even if they're not, there is because of the the culture of like the magazines and everything there is a pretty strong knowledge about who's in wwe especially if it is a domestic star and that always seems to raise their profile and we know this because whenever stars that were in major companies from the past like wcw or wwe make the jump and come over to japan they always get huge reactions way more than your typical like foreigner who was from the indies or you know just someone that's getting kind of introduced and so i mean i just have to imagine that even if like mayu's been the figurehead and sort of like the ace of the company and all these different variations Kyrie being over in america and working wwe working you know charlotte and sasha and becky that doesn't go unnoticed by the fan base either
3: yeah yeah i mean my has got a lot of things going on they're uh, I I don't know if Netflix is distributing it. It might be because I think I think um, I think Ian Boney said like Netflix, she's got a Netflix movie or, or Kevin Kelly. But I think he might complain it with uh, the Dump Matsumoto movie that's going to come out on Netflix. Um, but there's actually there is a movie going being made about my Uitani and her life. And um, hmm. it's going to be going to be distributed. Be- in japan um i know mayu she read an autobiography um that did okay so um she is a big star but um you know like 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 you guys said like i really do think that the cachet for 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 Kyrie and w for coming from wwe is gonna gonna pay off and uh, listen like um i don't i don't like to bring this in because i don't think it's gonna happen but I saw a lot of chatter from the WWE centric fans when they saw the screenshot of Sasha Banks, you know, (laughs) tweeting out a picture, a Photoshop picture of her and Kyrie for the IWGB Women's Championship. And that she and Sasha Banks has one of the most has a fan base that is so rabid. It rivals Naito. Like it it (laughs) is so rabid. They they follow everything she does. They freaked out when she started following New Japan on Instagram. You know, and, and then right. and, and they've had their own theories that she might come out for this for this show the challenge whoever wins the i w g b women's champion
4: well yeah you know. I assume this title's going to be on the Tokyo Dome um more than likely, and we don't have anyone confirmed as being lined up as a challenger, obviously, so I'm not saying it's gonna be her, but like you gotta imagine that there there's a good likelihood that they do something at the post, you know, match that sets up a a title challenge for down the line, unless they're going to save that for a stardom show. But it is a possibility. I'm not saying it's going to be her, but if if I was them, I might do something like that with whoever I could that I was lining up to be the next challenger.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And even if we, I, I, it's, it's weird because I just don't think she's, just because with Survivor Series coming up, I think she's going to jump back to WWE. And even if she does this, I think it sets off a, a firestorm of firestorm of things. Especially after hearing Tony Khan's um, uh, interview with Ariel Wani when he when he reacted just off the news, the rumor news that that New Japan was working with WWE. He basically immediately called up Gato and, and Rocky about it. Um he, he said it on Ariel's podcast and to me if 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 we were to have the situation where Sasha Banks shows up <laughs> somehow to this show to challenge Kyrie or Mayu. I mean it would be a big match and I and you know, Sasha and his face Kyrie before in WWE whereas Mayu. Um that's basically a dream match a lot of a lot of women's wrestling fans would would watch, but I think it would just set off more problems because of you know she's gonna show up at Survivor Series too. And you already have the Carl Anderson situation going on with the Never Open Weight Championship and then him not not coming in place of the Saudi show. Um well, I think maybe, it's
4: just, maybe she doesn't show up at the Survivor Series. Maybe because remember, Tony Khan said, I'm not Jim Crockett, I got a lot more money than he did, and I'm not taking any more of this fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You you never know. You never, you never I just know. You never know. I just think it'll cause a little bit more problems than and headaches you than than actual but you know, you never you never know. But
2: um yeah. yeah, I mean we've we've seen no stories of her being granted her release. I mean, with the the Triple H regime, we're seeing a little bit more flexibility on you know, being able to do stuff outside of WWE, you know, sending Shinsuke Nakamura. They're gonna let Carl Anderson finish up. Uh, for New Japan, so it does seem like Triple H is open And doing that kind of stuff, and
4: uh, don't do that, Jeremy. You don't, 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 don't bring reality into this, okay? Let us speculate <laughs> wildly, okay? But I'm just, I'm just saying, maybe
2: <laughs> he could work out a deal, you know, to bring Sasha back. Like, all right, like you know, part of her, you know, extension or whatever negotiations. Like, all right, yeah, you can come back, and we'll, we'll let you do your your little Joshi. You can go do your starting wrestling, pal, and, and send her over there. Uh, They'd be
4: so stupid if they did that. I would never in a million years ever, ever. uh, I mean, unless it's like you're saying, unless it's to appease her, I would never do it.
2: Yeah, but besides that, I I would have a hard time. I would be honestly like, yeah, I'd be be so shocked if, yeah, you know, you hear Snoop Dogg ringing through the Ariaki Ariaki (laughs) Arena (laughs) and and Sasha Banks comes rolling in uh, to challenge the, the winner of Mayu and Kyrie. Uh, I mean it'd be crazy. Everybody would be buzzing, they'd be talking about it. Like you mentioned, Josh, we there's a, you need a big women's match with the dome. So like Mayu or Kyrie versus Sasha for the women's IWGB women's title would be huge, but I, I think this the chances for it are, are very slim.
4: Well, um I definitely think that we are, you know, we're we're pressed for time and I want to make sure we get to everything here. So maybe we could jump into uh, we got some questions here. Maybe we can give them short answers so we can try to touch everything here.
2: Yeah, uh, we had a question from a Dark Soldier. It says, given Kairi is a pirate, should she make her entrance on a massive boat to the
3: ring? Uh, um, that'd be awesome. Um, I don't know if it, I don't know if Bushiro has a budget, but and just seeing how... Did you see the, any of the clips of the Bushiro 15 anniversary live show? Just how much they've... Looks like they spent a lot of money on that. I
2: did. I saw some backstage promos, but I didn't see anything from the actual show.
3: Yeah, it was at the the former Cebu Dome, so um, or MetLife Dome. I think they changed the the name of it now. It's another sponsor, but they got money to burn. But so maybe this shows up a partnership. I don't know.
4: Do it. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, it'd, it'd
3: didn't be fun. get to do it at
4: WrestleMania.
2: Yeah. <laughs> true. True. Uh, James Boyd asks, "Will historic crossover even be the best stardom show from the weekend?"
4: All right, hater's gonna hate. Okay, <laughs>
3: <laughs> it might it might be Gold Rush is a, it's a good it's a good show up and down. Um, the 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 for for it's it, for a B show it's pretty good compared to this show. I still think historic crossover is gonna be the better show, but um, for a B show this it's pretty good. I would encourage people to watch it. Nice.
2: Uh, some questions here from Rambo and Slam Pig. He says, what is most likely to have a positive impact on the visibility and reach of stardom in the West? The historic crossover pay review, participating in NJPW shows and tours in the West, expanding English commentary and accessibility of the streaming service, or something else?
3: Uh, that's a good question. Well, it reminds me of um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, pot, the podcast Star, Stardom Cast, which is hosted by Rod Goodwin and um and Matt Turner, they had Kevin Kelly on, and they were asking questions, and I straight up asked, I straight up tweeted them. I was like, how? What's What's the expectations for this show? What's the number of buys do they expect for people for for um TVSI and, and the the higher ups to get? And he, I was surprised. He immediately tweeted back at me. He's like, "There's no, there's no number. It's just that we want buzz um, throughout social media and word of mouth just to, just to permeate." And I've heard him talk about this with stardom He wants to, him, he wants him and Chris and, and maybe uh, another 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 wrestler on the roster on the Starnum roster that speaks English to do a to do the show because they're going to call the show. They're going to call this this show on the English side. And he's thought about, you know, talking about bringing in, you know, filthy Tom or, you know, um, our favorite guest of yours, Karen Peterson, maybe coming in and bringing her in to do some commentary work there. Um, we don't, we don't, he, he basically told me that straight up there's, there's no set number of, of, um, if buys or buy rate, um, of what they need to do to achieve this. It's just that they need to spread the word of mouth. And that's, I think this is an important show for them. And that's that's what's coming out of somebody that's working there. So to me, that's 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 big for them. But also to me, um, what they need to do is get maybe a subtitle version of the We Are Stardom show. Um, I think if they were able to do that, maybe do a, a, a time not a time by but um maybe approach one of these like maybe like a ro, you know how roku had the the deal with new japan for the for the hour-long show yeah for people to watch for free maybe approach them or approach a pluto tv set up a channel like like the you know the wrestling channel is on pluto tv you know or they or or defi oh that's gone now
4: yeah, it, it, I I used to watch it pretty regularly, like just like late at night. It's I don't think it exists anymore.
3: <laughs> it might be a seasonal thing because I know because I'm a, I'm a fan of Pluto TV and and they used to have like the Bond channel. Yeah, and I take that off seasonally. So uh, so maybe it might be that, but maybe try to hook up with with one of them. You know how Impact Impact has a channel and AAA has a channel yeah um setting up something like like twenty four hours just to show um that t v show I know the you know Stardom has a deal with the pond t v which is kinda hard for them to merge with new japan because they have different t v deals um the t v deal might be done, but um we 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 all know because you know the last last time they ran something on the pond t v was a couple couple weeks ago when I told you about the food match so um that might be an obstacle, but I think if they subtitle the the we are Stardom shows and those are there's clip shows, but they're they're half an hour to easy to digest i think if you could do that um I know they're free on YouTube, but I think if you could penetrate something something larger like a pluto t v for for people to just who are flicking or channel surfing and and they can stumble across that, I think that mm-hmm. it, it could be something worth it because um you know the fan base now. Internationally, they're used to. There's a generation of people that are used to um, foreign language media, and they're not afraid to watch anything subtitled. So I think um, that could be another step forward. But historic crossover has to has to do well. Has to do well.
2: Yeah, and I, I do think the Rambo's question. I, I I do think a big key is going to be going forward English commentary and accessibility to the streaming service. Even thinking from a question that we got on Twitter. Uh, From the Greg Stark says do you think there will be a point when stardom's content is included with New Japan World I've been trying to follow what they have up for free on YouTube I like the wrestling but I've had a hard time figuring out what the hell is going on So I think a lot of fans they're hearing the buzz about stardom All these match of the year contenders You, you saw the PWI 150 all the stardom representation there so I think that, that word of mouth, like you mentioned, that Kevin Kelly wanted uh, for stardom, I think I think that's, that's happening. People are, are aware. People are paying attention. People are trying to learn and figure out what's going on. Um, and so I'll see, you know, people might not want to pay for two services, New Japan World and Stardom World. Um, maybe Bushiro does something similar to um, what's going on over there with Cyber Agent, where you have, you know, Noah and Tokoyoshi Pro and DT all on, on one thing. Um, so I think, yeah, trying to make stardom easy for people to follow people like this crossover show, getting new Japan fans either subscribe or like you're mentioning, Jay, like do something to increase like the visibility of that YouTube show. Get some English commentary for that to really help fans, Western fans, figure out what's going on.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, I think merging the two. The two streaming services it's a everybody like people have asked me that a lot like in the past couple of years ever since the Bushiro merger and i'm saying it's the tv like the tv the tv situation has to get worked out first and if they're free and clear from nippon tv they can do it i just i, I have this weird feeling i don't have any uh, concrete evidence so don't don't quote me on but i don't, I don't think they're they're totally finished with the tv um they just Next is one of their sponsors now, and even though that's a streaming service, um, it's one of their big sponsors now. Um, you can see in the turnbuckles, if you watched Stardom recently, they have the Next logo. Um, so for them, they just have to get the television situ- situation uh, figured out because that's that it, that could television really controls a lot with you know with combat sports over there. It, it really dictates what goes on, and you know it's not as simple as just merging the two platforms it would be easy to do but um they just got to get that everything situated
2: yeah um so last question here and this is actually related to the, the hall of fame it says is there anyone missing from the wrestling observer newsletter hall of fame ballot for japan that you think is an egregious omission
3: um i mentioned before kenta but the one before that i think is a beauty pair um mm. i think um I know what Dave was going for with putting um, Manami Toyota and Toshihari Yamada um, on the ballot as, a, as, a, as w- the only women's tag team on the ballot. But I think um, the beauty pair should be on because Maki Ueda has never been on the ballot. Um, and he's never, never been on the ballot. You know, Jackie Sato's in the, in the Hall of Fame already. But I think the, blue, the, the beauty pair is the blueprint. To everything, you know, all these female tag teams in Japan, you know, without the beauty pair, there's no crush gals. There's a no jump bomb angels. There's a no red typhoons. There's no um, there's no meltier, you know, meltiers trying to try to be the new version of the beauty pair, um, you know, with the singing and all that stuff. And it's, they were the blueprint, you know, and even i i'll I'll cut it short, I could ramble on you know and thank you guys for having me on just rambling <laughs> throughout course. these the couple of hours, but um I'll just cut it short here throughout their their run as a tag team. they drew two big houses at Budokan Hall, one thirteen thousand seed house and one ten thousand house um with matches against each other and that was in the middle of their tag run you know and, and to me um and then not just to mention that they're they were they had actual songs on the radio for them and they were in a movie um i think it's just it's, to me they have the drawing component um the fame component and the influ- influence that basically every joshi promotion has tried to chase that 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 bag in terms of having a, a star a tag team you know that penetrates music and tv um, like the beauty pair did, and I think the beauty pair should be on the ballot. But I knew what Dave was doing because I think, uh, unfort- unfortunately, in case that a lot of the voter fan base uh, wouldn't be able- wouldn't be uh, receptive to voting for the beauty pair. I mean, there's a lot of tag teams on that. List that are not getting votes <laughs> that are that are legendary tag teams just not getting them. Um, so, yeah. That being said, that's the one that's the mission. That um, the beauty pair and Kenta. And I think Kenton should be on the ballot too.
2: Gotcha. Well, that is our historic crossover pay per view. Uh, Right now, we're going to try and kind of breathe through these last few topics that we have here. Uh, You know, we have to do our World Tag League, Super Junior Tag League predictions. Obviously, we'll have more time next week and the next uh, coming weeks to spend, you know, focusing on the World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League. So last week, we announced the teams this tournament will start the day after historic crossover. Um and run into uh, December,
4: so I think they give us they're giving us like two weeks off right now, and then they're just like fuck you guys, eat this World Tag League, take the Super Junior Tag League. It's like ten shows in like fifteen days. It's like something crazy.
2: Yeah, the schedule. I was looking at it earlier to kind of plan out like the rest of our you know year for Kiss, and I was just like, man, show, 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 show. I'm like,
4: man, yeah, we got awards and stuff to do. I don't know, like. You guys better be happy if we just, uh, you know, skim through these and give you some. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so,
2: so let's just go around and just kind of give our our, our kind of gut prediction of who we think is going to win each of these leagues. Um, so World Tag League, the heavyweight team. So we, ha- we have the Bebop tag team, Tanahashi and Yano, Bishamon, Goto, and Yoshihashi, L.A. Dojo, Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd, L.I.J. is Naito and Tanada, United Empire's great, Okan, Aaron Hanare, Aussie Open, TMDK, Zuki and Archer, Fale and Owens, and then Evil and Utero. Jay, who hmm. you th- who you think you, who
3: you got? Um, I got Aussie Open. I think they're going to rematch against FTR at the Dome. Uh,
4: that's the same thing I've got. I don't know who they're going to end up in the finals against. I know on one of the final nights they're against LIJ, but uh, you know that doesn't mean that that's who they're going to face in the finals. It could be like a rematch scenario or they, maybe, I don't know. Let me just say them and Bishamon maybe. That's what I was thinking, yeah. I think it'll be them and Bishamon in the finals, and they beat Bishamon. They, they get the title match. Yeah, I agree with you guys.
2: Yeah, I think it's Aussie Open. Get that big rematch on Tokyo Dome. Get a great tag team title match. The Super Junior Tag League, which I think is a little bit more unpredictable. So we have Wild Hips, Taguchi and Clark Connors, Kushida and Kevin Knight, Flying Tiger, Leo Rush and Yo, Alexane and Lindemann, Bushi and Teton, TJP and Francisco Okira. Kanamaru and Doki, Ace Austin and Chris Bay, and Cho and Dick Togo. Jay, who you got? Mm, that's a
3: that's a tough one. Um The Flying Tiger tag team intrigues me. I really like them. Um always been a fan of Robbie Eagles. Um, always like Tiger Mass, so but the the one i I I think might do is chaos with Yo and Leo Rush. I mean, bringing Leo Rush in, he's I don't think he's going to be cheap. So I, I think you bring him for to win the tag league, so you can face uh, what was it Catch Twenty Two? They're, they're the champs, yeah. um, Junior Tag Junior yeah. Tag champs. So I guess you have uh, Leo and and Yo at the dome. Even though I kind of want to see Flying Tiger uh, face Catch Twenty Two.
4: I, I'm gonna give you a prediction, although it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense because uh, typically they like to have domestic stars involved in this stuff. And if we're getting FTR Aussie Open, that's already a Gaijin Gaijin tag team match. But um, I, I think we're I think both tag team matches at the Dome are gonna be heavily Gaijin that way. I think we're going to end up with, with some sort of scenario. I, I don't know. I haven't worked out the mechanics of it, but I think we're going to end up with a scenario where catch 22 ends up defending the title in a three-way mm-hmm. against the bullet club team of Ace Austin and Chris Bay, as well as Yo and Leo Rush.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Josh, man, we're on the same wavelength. Cause I think that's going to happen too. Cause I think, um, is that
4: the exact thing that you're predicting? We haven't okay. even talked about it.
2: Yeah. Cause on the last night, the last like, tournament night, Catch-22 faces Bullet Club. So I think mm. Austin and Bay will beat them, and then in the finals, they'll face Yo and Leo Rush, and then and Yo and lose, but then they can say, hey, we beat the champs still. We want
4: a title shot, yeah. Right, and yeah, then yeah, you
2: yeah. get your opener three-way.
4: Yeah, plus, like, you know, Chris Bay's never been to Japan the, the bull club seems like they're in the dust. They need to kind of like reinvigorate them a little bit. I feel like they need to have a presence on the Tokyo Dome show. It just, it makes a lot of sense. And I feel like that's probably one of the better three way, you know, junior tags you could possibly do for that show. Yeah. And
2: I, I could also see them doing a four way too somehow get, um, Bushi and Teton in the mix again. It is a single block. So the champs possibly could eat two losses, and still be fine. So you could have Bushy and Teton also get a win over those guys and make it a four-way. Could do that.
4: Or like he mentioned, Flying Tigers, also a, a viable contender as well.
2: Yeah. And then uh, we had another episode of New Japan Strong this past Saturday, second night of the Showdown Tour. Showing up, we had Kenny King defeating Che Cabrera. Then we had Dane Lima and Jared Quarles from Team Filthy defeating... Uh, Young Fuego, Adrian Quest, and Jordan Cruz. And then the main event was Minoru Suzuki defeating the Savage Weight, Freddy Yehi, in 16 minutes and 29 seconds. Uh, overall, what were you guys' thoughts on this uh,
4: week's Strong? Each match got better than the one before. I thought che-, che Cabrera was kind of outperforming Kenny King, which is kind of surprising. <laughs> I liked the tag team match quite a bit. I felt like the show peaked with Suzuki and Freddie A. High, which is right up my alley, although it wasn't as good as it possibly could have been. I prefer this type of Suzuki match where there's a bit more wrestling as opposed to just the traditional indie, you know, big, big, uh, you know, the, the slap fest match that he does. I am concerned though that strong is just simply turning into NXT UK with the way that these tours are sort of just chopped up and to- basically inconsequential to the rest of, uh, new Japan. One last thought that promo with, uh, the bull club guys like, uh, with juice and, and, um, Chris Bay and who else was, ELP. That, that was d- d-
3: terrible. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> that was. <laughs> Uh, I didn't i i almost didn't recognize chris bay during that promo because like he had the, the he had the uh, the bandana on this everybody looked like real dirt baggy in <laughs> you know just doing their part um i, I thought it was a it was an okay promo but um this show i like this show i like last week's show um a new japan strong better but um i thought this show was pretty good and I mean, Suzuki Fred at Yehai was a Really good match. I like the opening, the opening spot of start of it with them just working headlocks and stuff. And, and you know, Fred grabbing his ear with the cauliflower ear, and then Minoru Suzuki just taking advantage of it. And he went from there. So, um, thought it was a pretty good show,
2: yeah. Really good show. Yeah, I really enjoyed the main event. Like Josh mentioned, I think this was a, a step above the kind of Suzuki US indie stuff that we've been seeing. I thought Freddy Ahai did a good. ...job of kind of working in there with Suzuki... ...and really making the match uh, really entertaining... ...and I like, you know, the whole thing where... ...You know, Suzuki's going for the chop exchange... ...and uh, Yehi tricks him in and gets a single leg... ...takes him down, so I, I thought Yehi looked really good... ...I think Yehi is a very underrated guy... Um, I, I like to see them do more of him... ...in uh, New Japan... Um, ...the tag match was good... ...that's a long-going rivalry there with Dan Lima ...and Adrian Quest, which kind of... ...the rivalry that kind of started from the, the beginning of Strong... ...taping the studios... And we've got the debut of Kenny King here. Looks like he'll be a regular going forward uh, for New Japan Strong. So definitely a fun episode to check out. Uh, next Saturday, we'll have uh, Pretty Peter Avalon making his return. New Japan Strong taking on Kita, Blake Christian, and Mascarada They'll be taking on Chris Bay and El Phantasmo. And then the main event will be Homicide taking on Filthy Tom Lawler. There was a promo at the very beginning of this week's show with Tom talking about this match at Homicide. This match has been brewing for a, a while now. Um, so we're going to have a big matchup here for next week's strong. Then we got the announced lineup for the detonation tapings that are going to happen uh, again, the Vermont Hollywood on November 20th. So we're going to have a strong title match with Fred Rosser defending against JR Kratos. The Motor City Machine Guns defending the tag titles against the Stray Dog Armies, Barrett Brown and Mysterioso, Tamatonga, Hikaleo, Alan Angels, and David Finley will take on Jay White, ELP, and the West Coast Wrecking Crew. There's going to be a Lucha Libre Rules match as Rocky Romero and Adrian Quest will take on Atlantis Jr. and Vitus. Uh, Bad Dude Tito will take on Kenta, Mascara Dorada, and Lince Dorado will take on Cody Chung and Guillermo Rojas. Homicide will take on Dane Limelight, Blake Christian against Juice Robinson, the DKC against the fallen angel Christopher Daniels, J.A.Y. Jacob Austin Young against Bateman, and then Gregory Sharp versus Kenny King. So then uh, diving into the news real quick, uh, it was mentioned on a previous episode of Wrestling Observer Radio that FTR is set for the Tokyo Dome. Uh, Dave Meltzer said he confirmed that FTR will be defending the IWGP Tag Team titles at Wrestle Kingdom 17. Uh, We mentioned earlier with Jeff Cobb uh, missing the Tamashi shows uh, this past weekend. Uh, He was scheduled for the New Zealand and Australia shows, but was off due to personal reasons. This uh, past week, we had Suji, Yota Suji, making his CMLL debut Um, transferring from RevPo over to CMLL, so he's finally living his dream, getting to do some lucha things. Um, Some other news, December 1st, we have the Dragon Expo show for tradition, as the main event's going to be the 50th anniversary debut of Fujinami, as he takes on Hiroshi Tanahashi. We'll also have uh, Nagi teaming up with Naito and Shingo Takagi to face off against uh, Funaki, Zack, and Jake, and then Hiromi will be taking on Leona. Then for Defy, November 26, our good friend Rocky Romero will take on Powerhouse Hobbs from AEW. The Junior Champs, Catch-22, they have an online meet and greet coming up on November twenty third. And then for those detonation tapings, they're giving away 40 free cooler bags uh, for that New Japan Strong taping. So if you get there early, you'll get one of those bags. And that's going to wrap up the news. Uh, Josh, you want to kick these other questions for next week and just jump to recommended match of the week.
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, unless there were some MMA boxing, uh, questions that I know JML might want to <laughs> jump on. I don't know. Yeah. so Let's, let's do
2: those. Uh, there's a couple from Hawaiian punch BV, uh, our pre-recent, he said thoughts on Alex Pereira's performance against Izzy this past weekend. How can Izzy, be winning in all three other fights and somehow still come out on the losing end. Alex Pereira just hits different literally.
4: Well, uh, Jeremy, maybe you would like to tell the people who did I say was going to win that fight?
2: You said Alex is gonna win.
4: That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the per cross. Percrosti- what's that word? Procrastinator? What's the <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say. I don't oh man, I wish I could say it because now I sound stupid. I am Nostradamus up in this bitch is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, I knew he was going to win. And here's the reason why. And it's pretty simple. I just knew Izzy was going to stand with him. And um, Izzy's incredible, but Pereira weighs more than him. And he seems to be able to find the right timing to, like, catch him on the butt. And he's done it two other times before. And there's no reason that Israel Adesanya should have lost that fight if he had – potentially worked more mma of you know more of his mma game but he decided to stand with him for five rounds for the majority of the fight and it cost him in the fifth round and i just had a gut feeling the whole fight even in the fifth round i just had this feeling that Pereira was going to catch him and he did and uh, next time they fight he shouldn't do that
2: (laughs) you follow you'll see it jay
3: I used to follow it many, many, many years ago, but I've I've stopped watching it <laughs> so lately.
4: More, so you're more into boxing at this point, is that correct?
3: Yeah, yeah, box. I've I've eased back into boxing um, for for a while. I Took a break from from boxing, MMA. But I've, I'm slowly coming back to boxing now. I don't watch the Jake Paul, any of those like fights or anything like that. Um, just don't don't entertain those but but yeah like any of the, any of like the real almost. Um, that's gosh <laughs> it's funny because we're talking about pro wrestling we're on a pro wrestling show but any of the real boxing like i'll watch i'll watch that even though like jake paul's a good promoter um it's not it's not for me
4: he might be a good worker too it seems like
3: <laughs> hey i did, did you see the angle with him and um uh, tyson fury's brother tommy fury no that, that happened over the weekend no no <laughs> Yeah, um so on the I saw on you can see it on the on social media but you know Tommy Fury is Tyson Fury's brother, he was fighting on the undercard of that Mayweather Dage fight is it Dage? Um I guess he's uh I, I think he's a YouTuber, but they were fighting in in um Abu Dhabi. It's the same show that Bobby Fish got his first his first boxing boxing match mm. um the one that sammy guevara was on commentary for but yeah. um after t- after the fight tommy fury called out uh um uh, jake paul and they had a war of words and they almost came to blow so um expect that to be on uh a upcoming wwe show coming near you <laughs> since, <laughs> since tyson fury's involved with the wwe and tommy if you ever seen tommy fury he looks like somebody on nxt like like he looks like an <laughs> NXT wrestler for sure.
4: I know I Tommy Fury from Love Island. <laughs> the
3: best. So, um so yeah, good good wrestling from wrestling type promoter, but I don't I don't watch his fights, but yeah, with MMA I've just kind of fallen out of it. I used to be a big fan of the UFC. Um really when when um you know, the Matt Hughes, uh Chuck Liddell era I was yeah, a big fan that uh,
2: Spike Spike TV.
3: Yeah, era. Spike TV. You know how Dave, you know Dave, goes on like talking about how the Ultimate Fighter drew in so many wrestling fans. I was one of those wrestling fans. <laughs> me <So>. too. <laughs> After
2: Impact, every Thursday.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I used to I used to love watching the UFC. Followed it, and uh, just don't. I've kind of fell out of it any, uh, lately. It was just just too many shows. Burned me out. Uh,
2: one last question Harry he says what is your favorite Anthony Johnson KO how do you feel about everyone singing his praises as a person when he dies but also ignores that he was a terrible person around women when the cameras weren't on him
4: Um, you know this might make me a bad like fan or journalist but I don't know about the allegations really to be honest with you so that's kind of a uh, a part of his life that I'm not that familiar with to be honest with you As far as like my favorite knockouts, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, what I will say is, Rumble is one of the most dynamic strikers in the history of combat sports. Period. Whether it was from one forty seven all the way up to two sixty five, he literally had dynamite in both hands. I've I've seen very few guys that I can ever recall in any combat sport that just had the innate ability to just stop someone's lights and just knock him out at a moment's notice, like through just sheer force of will. Um, he's just one of the scariest fighters that I ever saw. And I really, really enjoyed watching his career. I was devastated to hear of his, uh, you know, demise and his death. 38 years is just too young. Um, it sounds like the news coming out now, even though it's not, Fully confirmed it. I think the the belief is that it was um, non-Hodg- non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that um, he was diagnosed with. And that's what causes passing, which uh, is too bad. But yeah, I mean, almost every single fight that he won was a devastating knockout. So it'd be impossible for me to just, you know, I- I'd be listing, you know, a million knockouts. This guy was a killer. <laughs> it was crazy. And um, yeah, I'm sad that he passed. I mean, even just a month ago, he won like an incredible knockout or actually that was back in, no, it was in May, but still, yeah, it, it just crazy. It, it's very shocking.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, when I, I heard about it, I was, I was shocked as well. Um, I, I did hear things about him as his past in terms of domestic violence and um, and, you know, it's it's it needs to be reported. You know, when things come up like that, but um, it is. But it's 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 sad all around. You know, and um, with Rumble, um, I watched him a lot. You know, I told you I was a fan. You know, during that era, and I watched him. You know, I was just amazed sometimes how he would cut so much weight to yeah. get to one seventy, like he was not supposed to be a weight Um. Oh dang! Almost, what? He's almost,
4: I, I said 147 cuz I was thinking of welterweight. Yeah, boxing. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. yeah. He was
3: 170, 170, to
4: 265.
3: We I <laughs> think we all we all understood. Yeah. Yeah, but he was just a it's just a monster. Um the one head the one knockout I remember was the head kick. I think he cracked somebody's nose with. Um it was just brutal. I forgot who who it was, but um might have been burns i forgot the fighter's first name burns but um but yeah but um yeah i did hear about his his domestic violence past and i mean it's it's unfortunate because a lot of fighters they have that they have that with them you know it comes with the sport you know whether it's boxing or mixed martial arts there's a lot of guys who have violent personal lives and you got to you got to take both and it's, it's up to you. It's your personal choice. You know, sometimes for me, um, but sort. you know, it's, I made a choice with the NFL, you know, with all the stuff going on with, with them, I just kind of threw my hands up and stopped watching them then. Um, you know, and I, I think I could have went, went the same route with, with MMA in terms of the, the people involved, but, but that was more of me being burned out. But, you know, with the, the NFL, you know, certain people have certain lines. And, you know, for me with the NFL, with the people getting in trouble and things like that and the corruption going on with the front offices, I threw my hands up there. So um, I respect anyone who, who has who made that line and said, like, you know, we have to we have to present this even in his passing. So,
2: yeah, um, similar to Josh, I wasn't familiar with his uh, any claims of domestic violence in his past, uh, but still, I think. Don at 38, year, 38 years old Still a, a tragedy And a very sad to hear um, So uh, yeah it's, That's some sad stuff uh, But let's uh, close off here With uh recommended match Of the week um, So last week for the excursion match I recommended uh, Muto, Marafuji, and Inamora Versus Makabe, Hanma, and Tanahashi From the uh, Pro Wrestling Love Forever 3 show uh, Josh what do you think about this?
4: there was something that was really, really awesome about this match. And his name is Inamora other, <laughs> <than that, laughs> other than that, other uh, than that, well, actually no Marafuji was great. This, this match was fine. Um, it was probably better than I, I'd heard some pretty negative things about the match going into it. And then I heard some people say that it was very fun. So I just kind of try to, clear my mind and just watch it you know kind of cold and i thought it was it was good i thought that they did a good job you know with the production and building it up as a major you know semi-main event for the show and all the history between tanahashi and muto and all that but at the end of the day it was it wasn't anything that was uh it wasn't a train wreck by any means but it also wasn't really a great match it was It was a good kind of showcase you know um and and i mean it's kind of to be expected you got togi makabe and hanma in there tanahashi is not always you know he's up and down these days and then you know muto can only do so much and then it sort of leaves you with marifuji tanahashi and Inamura like having to carry most of the match to a certain degree um, they had a good formula at the end. The closing sequences were pretty hot and it got good down the stretch, but the early opener and middle of the match were kind of just they were just there, you know. Um would I say this was bad, definitely not. Uh, but it's unless you're like a Muto completist or like a new uh, or or like a Noah fan, there's not really too much reason to go out of your way to watch this one, honestly. I I'd give it I don't know, three and a half probably. Be kind, nice. Uh, then for the recommended
2: match of the week, uh, you chose Hashimoto and Iska versus Ogawa and Murakami from the January 4th, 2000, uh, Tokyo Dome show. And man, this match was wild and crazy and it's chaotic cool. <laughs> from the, the opening uh, bell towards the end. I mean, I, I felt bad for poor Iska uh, at the beginning. Uh, Murakami was jacking him up. What's on him like he
4: got legit knocked out.
2: Yeah, so he was knocked out and then like the whole like New Japan like roster came out. and Noki came out and like they had to like stop the match and restart it. Um and then yeah, and the crowd was very hot for uh Hashimoto and Ogawa getting in there and the crowd just really wanted to see those guys Hashimoto and Iska get the win there and do the the strikings, the throws, um, you know Ogawa busting out those STOs. Uh, just a very hard hitting MMA influence. All these guys are wearing gloves and kick pads and um, striking. It's,
4: weird. It's, al- it's almost like it was a nopeism or something.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sighs> it's almost yeah. like.
4: It's almost like sometimes Nokiism actually had some good matches every now and again. It's weird. <laughs> People say that didn't happen. It's so crazy.
2: Uh, but yeah, this was, it was a crazy match. Uh, towards the end, um, it was down between um, Iska and uh, Murakami, and Iska was able to get the the rare naked choke on and, and get the win. As um, Hashimoto had Ogawa out in a key lock and was like trying to break his arm, and uh, so yeah, so Hashimoto and uh, Iska won. Crowd was happy. It's kind of a. It was a pretty short match, but also they kind of had a start and stop, and then the kind of kind of quick ending there with the choke. Yeah. But overall, it was a crazy, wild, chaotic match. Um, I would say like four and a quarter range, and I think people should definitely. You you have to go out of your way to find it. So it's, it's very hard to find this match online uh, because of
4: Ogawa and the the tv rights issues like none of his matches are new japan world so this is available but i had to pretty much download it from like a quasi porn site so just forewarning if you're gonna look for it like it's gonna be on some sketchy website
2: (laughs) yeah yeah watch those uh google searches (laughs)
4: yeah but it's it's definitely worth it this match it used to be on daily bro daily motion like everything's gone off there i don't know what happened but uh yeah, this used to be on Daily Motion like just a few months ago, but it's not anymore. So, um, but yeah, I love this match. It's just, it's wild. All right. What you got for
2: the excursion, the match of the week for this week?
4: You know, Jeremy, I kind of feel like you made me watch this match knowing that the next week I would recommend to you the Kojima match. And like you set it up that way so that you'd wind up with the better match with the wrestler that you like. Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) Well, uh, I guess that's what we're going to do, because I heard that the uh, GHC tag team title match that preceded this match that I reviewed was spectacular. So that's going to be my recommendation.
2: Nice. And then for the recommended match of the week, we're going to go back to Collision in Korea. Uh, Kira Hokuto versus the Bull Nakano. It's a,
4: the, the one women's match that you can actually find on New Japan World. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gets, uh, it
2: gets in the mood for a historic crossover. Uh, well, Jay, thanks so much again for joining us tonight and educating us, hold, holding our hands uh, on, in the stardom realm of things. So, Ah, uh, go ahead and uh, you know plug all your stuff online, or tell our listeners where they can find you and any other projects you got going on.
3: okay, so um most importantly, go to support the hall of fame tracker um Twitter handle as long as Twitter's still around <laughs> uh, is w o n h o f tracker. That's the easiest way to do it, uh, W-O-N-H-O-F Tracker. We have the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame Tracker. We do not work for the Observer, but we do we do track the Hall of Fame votes for the public ballots just to project who is going to go into the Hall of Fame. So most importantly, follow that Follow that account. Follow that account as long as Twitter's around. It's where it goes down. We'll... We will pivot, we'll do something else, we'll we'll make this thing work. Don't 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 worry about us, we'll be fine. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at the JML underscore. That is the JML underscore. I think a lot of people were confused when I started using the account, they thought I was a Sorry Strickland um, Sammy Callahan <laughs> related <really laughs> to that that team. Yeah. Um so but no, um it's just it's just me. So Um, you can follow me there, but most importantly, follow the Hall of Fame tracker. If you're, if you're interested in the Hall of Fame, follow, follow that account and, and we'll go from there because, um, right now we're getting, getting a lot of, we're still getting a lot of, a lot of ballots. I I got some notifications already while recording this. So, um, once I get off this call, I'm going, going straight back to doing that and looking over the ballots. So that's, that's up for me.
2: Nice. Well, that's going to wrap things up for us here this week on the show. Next week, we'll be back to review Historic Crossover with Rich Latta and James Boyd from One Nation Radio. And we will preview the first few nights of the World Tag League and the Super Junior Tag League. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the keeping it strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. For now, on Twitter, at KISTrongStyle. Follow the network, at Social Suplex. and follow me, at Jeremy L. Donovan, on Facebook, facebook.com, slash Social Suplex. On Instagram, at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the pro-black guy. Y'all just keeping a strong style. You can email me, jeremy, at SocialSuplex.com. Check out all the shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, one Nation Radio, hosted so by Rich Lada and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences hosted by Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite hosted by Floyd and Austin. The AEW Match Guide podcast hosted by Sir Sam. And the Great Match Generator hosted by Danny Kugler. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style.
4: The Ace of Podcasts. Chris, you know I was just joking. You know we think that you're itchy bad.